This is Tancred, and you're listening to Aetherite Radio. Aetherite Radio? How exactly does that work? Someone get Burnholes in here. I need him to explain this to me. I need to know the law behind this. This is Fern Hall. You spoony bard. And you're listening to Aetherite Radio. Please look forward to it. Hello and welcome to Lorecast from Aetherite Radio. I'm Fusion X. Joining me today, we've got Anonymous and Ethis, as well as Anidra Aldino and Rook. Welcome, everybody. Hey, hey. What up? Hello. <clears throat> so, uh, real, real quick, just, just, just a little note. Uh, today would have been second day of Fan Fest, which is kind of, kind of. Why a you gotta do that? I have to. I have to. I have to. So, so look, I, I, I hope that uh, everybody tuning in right now. Uh, enjoys the show. It's not two ferns. I, I should have like put some plants on the side, right? Um, but you know, I hope that you know for for those of, of you out there that were looking to fan fest and stuff that are kind of feeling it a little bit uh, the last two days. I hope uh, that uh, this will help uh, lift your spirits a little bit. I know I this this week, the beginning of this week, especially hit me hard um, knowing that. So uh, hopefully uh, this will be a nice episode. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Um, this is patch five point three lorecast. Um, so there will be spoilers I, I if you have not extended. Stim- yeah, extended. Mm-hmm. We're going. We're doing Boja. So um, if you have not done five point three, if you have not done Boja, uh, this Get may out. or may not be the episode for you. So just a, a warning ahead of time before we get into things here. Um, so let's 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 jump right into it. Um, MSQ for five point three um, starts off with with story time. We go into the the cabin to curiosity. Uh, and they pull out a book uh, talking about the warrior of light. And we say, oh, that's a nice picture. That's cool. That's like, I remember, I recognize him from like the, the triple triad card. Uh, Ethis is just shaking his head already. Right. <laughs> Morin is so patronizing. It's like, let me go find one with some pictures. Uh, just wait here. Here's some crayons. <laughs> Dude, I would, I would buy a, a warrior of light coloring book. Yeah, I'd be down. You know what? I've got past the time somehow when you're not doing fetch quests. So <laughs> he just assumes you've been hit in the head a whole lot, right? So yeah. he just wants, uh, wants to make sure you're comfy. I mean, I've heard what's art... going on in Eden. Yeah. 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 The art is good, though. And like the moment you open that book and it's like put up for you, I think everybody was like, okay, wait, hold on a second. What are we going to do with mm. that? That mm. artwork is an old nostalgia throwback for sure. What is this going to be about? Um, and so they talk about the Warriors of Light. They they kind of name drop some people that we've kind of heard of a little bit uh, before in the first, right? So we have uh, Tothwell, the first king of Lakeland. Uh, we have uh, Rodfurt and uh, Salard from Vobert and uh, Archmage uh, Tiuna from Ronka um, were, were considered Warriors of Light back in the day. Um, they talk about... Um, how the you know that that oldest tale for Norvin, right it's a hero that was guided by prophecy who crossed sea and sky um and said that he was a warrior of light guided by the crystal um not terribly unlike us right i mean they they specifically have you know sea and sky that's storm blood that's heaven's word that's interesting that's final fantasy 11 <laughs> <laughs> yeah sea and sky gotcha. sure that's good. My favorite, um, my favorite part of this is that English is actually the only language to leave out Warrior of Light 
guided by the crystal. So it doesn't actually mention the crystal in any of the, or it in English, just the other languages. So everybody at the end was just like, oh, so Elidibus was the warrior of light. That was the first warrior of light. And I'm like, no, no, hold on, go back, go back, go back, hold up. Stop. <laughs> we have to interrupt this earlier. I'm never going to get it off of the fandom wiki. <laughs> All out. so 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 what's the deal here let's not since we're already talking about it let's let's go into detail moose what's what's the deal with with Elidibus and his ties to the warrior of light or being the warrior of light let's just let's just clean this up right now okay we can leave some of the like minor nuances for later but the idea is that anyone who fights to save the world and believes that they're fighting to save the world in this game's themology is a warrior of light. But much like any of the other titles in the game, it's applied liberally. Um, so there are going to be a lot of people who are called warriors of light who aren't. Um, especially when it comes to being chosen by the crystal. Once someone shows up who's chosen by the crystal and they do all these heroic things... When you come back around and other heroes show up, even if they weren't chosen by the crystal, they're going to get called Warriors of Light. Yeah, the the conclusion of that um, is that not all Warriors of Light, not all Warriors of Light, like people that have been named this by history, have had the echo, have had the blessing of lights. Mm -hmm. There's there's nothing categorical that really binds them together, other than that some um, presumably. Elidibus and the Asians have found this narrative convenient to their own ends um, and have subsequently enabled it, pushed it in some way. Mm -hmm. Kind of a square rectangle, rectangle square situation. Right. Yeah. yeah. Nice. yeah. yeah. A lot, like, remind me to come back to that when we talk about like the, the meeting that we have later, because that's where that mm -hmm. big part's going to mm -hmm. come in. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, we do have this, this on the outline too. Um, with the the tale here, does this mean that all seven eras threatened all fourteen shards, or does this mean that the Asians occasionally failed and then backed off of a world for the time? Um, that's interesting. Um, I, I, do, what do we do? We have any evidence to support that? I get a double message from it. Is what happens because remember mm -hmm. when we went down to see the ruins of Amarat and they were like, well, they haven't had you know a lot of calamities here. They so they the ruins might still be there. Um, so you would internalize this idea that no, you only, if you're on a shard, you only get the calamity that destroys you. Right. But on the other hand, we have multiple times we've seen warriors of light being chosen on the first in their history, allegedly. And allegedly those are only chosen when an umbral era is nearing. So maybe there have been more attempted umbral eras than we think, and they just didn't succeed. I don't know. I just get a conflicting message from it. Could just be I mean, that we yeah, don't have fairly... the history of the first as as well as we do for the source as well, maybe. Yeah. Well, look, we've forestalled at least one mm -hmm. uh, in, uh, on the first, right? We mm -hmm. we can say like fairly confidently that as the Warrior of Light, we have forestalled multiple calamities, um, and if not like capital C calamities, then certainly a lot of like you know really awful things from happening. Um, we learn later that you know Elidibus really like did genuinely want us to keep the source from being destroyed in the realm reborn that that was a genuine concern um and presumably you, you know like other stuff other agents other disasters have happened across these other worlds have necessitated you know a warrior of light to 
you know, step forward, be elevated in some way to uh, to intervene. So, I mean, although there hasn't, again, we know that the 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 calamity that affects the shard is the one that causes it to rejoin. There's still going to be all kinds of like terrible things that have happened on these worlds historically, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I, mean, I think it's pretty safe to say that there have been failed calamities, like failed rejoining attempts. We know we know that the void was the result of one of those, their first attempts. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say that other attempts have been thwarted throughout the millennia, right? Mm. We lost Greg. Yeah, yeah we that's sure did. We'll have to we'll just have to roll that. with it. Don't uh, okay. yeah, don't worry about it. We're we're good. Um Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, took it. it Oh. It does seem as or just off of that. It does seem like at least as players, a lot of the impressions we've been given over the years have been that it hasn't been like a universal thing to every single shard simultaneously. Those different threats. No. Um, it does seem like as certain things kind of happen or eras are set up or you know like we have different you know factions, different facets of society that might be pushed in a certain way that like when things are right, things seem to be pushed on that shard or, you know, with intention sort of navigated. But it is interesting to think about, especially with the sort of like coming together we see of this force with uh, the Warriors of Light and, you know, obviously the dungeon and everything that happens here. This idea that like, it does seem as though they are connected in a sense, in a way that maybe we didn't necessarily guess before, um, especially with Elidibus's, you know, kind of interference in this perpetrating of this narrative and, mm. you know, the Asians sort of backing it. Um, mm. So, I mean, it would be interesting if certain ones did happen simultaneously, but I guess I always kind of got the feeling that they were individual things kind of set up. Yeah, I, I got the distinct impression throughout Shadowbringers that Novrant had been primed, right? Mm -hmm. And that it was like, we get this one close so that we can go back to the source and try to set up circumstances and then we can just like flick the switch and it's go time, right? Yeah. And I, I think that that's probably a modus operandi that has developed over the millennia. Um, and I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Like we don't really have anything to sort of confirm or deny it, but it would make sense that they may have multiple shards sort of primed, multiple shards that are... In, in this state where they can easily just like go to them and get that kind of final uh, escalation, that final little bit rolling towards whatever calamity they they need. Yeah, it's a war on 14, you, we can argue the number of fronts, right? They're mm -hmm. pushing all yeah. of them at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're getting to these milestones on certain shards and they're sitting there spinning a bunch of plates at once is what I feel. I mean, it's mm -hmm. a war. So, yep. you know, they gain ground, they lose ground is how I thought about we, it. We've got Asians specifically assigned right. to each of these shards, right? Mm -hmm. That's, we, we know that for certain, right? Mm -hmm. um, so yes, I, you're, you're right. It's a warm multiple fronts. They're spinning many, many plates. It's a, it's a good way to put it. And it makes sense that, you know, as there are Asians across these shards, they're going to be warriors of light across mm -hmm. them as well, you know? As uh, Elidibus is told, sometimes you will work for us sometimes you work against us he's the one that's got to keep those plates spinning in a lot of ways right. isn't he when we talk about too. it oh good oh go i was gonna say i'm curious too um i've never necessarily thought about them choosing to like flood specific shards with specific aether 
But mm. as we've been sort of talking about it, I'm wondering if there is maybe something more specific to that. Was it just convenient? Like, oh, well, we can tip to this balance. Or was there something more with this idea of rejoining that if we flood these aspects in certain areas, then we will almost bring kind of like the balance with the little short story that we got, the idea of, you know, dispersing throughout the land, this energy mm -hmm. or the fire or, um, you know, different things like that. If on a larger scale, there might be something with these shards being flooded with specific ethereal types and then being brought back together to restore more of that aether plentiful single world. I, I have no idea. I never actually thought about it until now. I'm curious what everybody else thinks. I think that when we get to talking about these points that we're actually starting to see some of what's going on in Square Enix's writing process, like the real world side of it, um, because a lot of this stuff wasn't really fleshed out or concretized very well when we were doing the early storylines. So we see in 2.3, you know, there's 14 worlds, there's 14 Asians, there's 14 pedestals. They're all standing on the pedestals. Oh, one for each world. That makes sense. But then as the story goes on and it doesn't really like hold up that way and the numbers change and the identities change, then you have uh, Emmett Selk showing up like, oh yeah, we used to do like one to each world, but now like, you know, we pair off sometimes and we hop around. So I think we're seeing like Square Enix becoming more confident in the way they write the stories. Um, when you look back at what era destroyed what world, the theme is actually closer to, if you look at it, what is the most famous scene from that game? Mm. So like you have the 10th being destroyed by water because so much of 10 was Blitzball and Besaid and all that cool stuff. Blitzball and that works for every game. It's the... Just... It's it's the only pattern that holds. So I think that sometimes we're seeing some real world influence and in Square Enix becoming more confident in in their storytelling and they're deepening the Asians to be more realistic and more human. And doing so just brings out this richer story and gives us more to talk about. So like as much as I love to dig into like what it means in the world, I'm also still seeing like writers becoming more confident. That's right so about that. I mean, it... we had an interview with Unriota very recently where he was like, yeah, basically I'd never written any kind of narrative before I jumped on board for Final Fantasy XIV. Like I was writing copy in an office and I uh, applied for this job and didn't realize that I was going to be, you know, like writing the lore and world building for this entire universe. But uh, I was, and we just kind of like made it up as we went along. We just winged it. And, and, and I think like, Again, we look at the Asians in A Realm Reborn and they are so two-dimensional. They are like, I mean, Moose, you normally describe it like being like Saturday morning cartoon villains, right? And and I think I think that's absolutely true. They were so flat. They were just like cardboard cutouts. Um, and over the years, we've seen, you know, both Oda and Koji becoming more confident in their world building, but also the writers becoming more and more confident, more and more proficient, both, uh, I guess, in their abilities, but also in uh, this world kind of taking on a, a life of its own and starting to like unfold in front of them, if that makes any sense. And I, mm -hmm. I think I think Moose is right that it's so, so important to like keep that in mind whenever we're talking about uh, the world and you know things we've learned over time. And yeah, it's really, I, I have to say, like, out of all the other games that I've played where I've seen some of this happen, and it happens with MMOs, right? Because they mm -hmm. are games that are told as a story over years. And depending on the focus of narrative, whether it really drives that MMO or not, because some really are more mechanical in nature or content-based in nature or whatever it is. Um, but it's really amazing to me. I think overall, 
how good of a job the team has done of integrating a lot of this stuff in a believable way that doesn't have like huge contradictory issues for the most part, right? As opposed to like having to retcon an entire portion of the game or like entire character arcs, which we've seen in things like World of Warcraft or, you know, other games that have struggled with this long-term development and story. It's been pretty amazing to me how I think a lot of the stuff that they've put into the game, even if it did maybe start as a nostalgia nod, like with those shards and things, now yeah. we can kind of go like, oh, hey, well, there actually might be some kind of premise for this, or there is kind of like a basis, or um, it makes sense in the way that they've developed it, which Shadowbringers did really nicely. And it's kind of fun to almost have that shift from what you expect with cartoon villains in a heroic story <laughs> to something that then really does take that risk, I think, to say like, hey, let's evolve it more, which 5.3 overall, I think, did really well, even with a character that became the focus in a single patch you know what i mean like we'd had little snippets of him before we'd had these little teasers about elitibus having something more going on but it wasn't until 5.3 that we really saw that so um it's it's amazing i think overall how well things have hung together to be yeah. honest that's why i love bringing up the out of world side of it is because this team is so, so dedicated to making sure that they don't use what I call subtraction retcons, where you remove mm -hmm. and contradict stuff. They use addition mm -hmm. retcons, where you reframe it and add more stuff onto it. Like the one I always go back to is is Duke Brett. Uh, in 1.0, you had this guy who was supposed to be an Ishgardian Duke, and you were supposed to just go through and serve him, and, and that was it. He was an Ishgardian Duke. And then Heavensward came out, and they fleshed out the lore, and it turns out that the highest you can be in Ishgard is a count. So it was like, well, who's this Duke? And they could have retconned it. They could have come in. They could have like changed the word. But no, they sat down for a little while and they got back to us and they were like, actually, there this guy no was a thing fraud. Guardian Duke. I remember and, that. And, yeah. the fact, <laughs> and the fact that he said he was a Duke shows that he's a fraud. And actually, and they tell us this whole story about how embarrassed he was when he got called out. And now there's a famous saying in Lemenza Lemenza, like, or Lemenza Lemenza, like, I am an Ishgardian Duke. Like, <laughs> so like, I just, I love that. I love that commitment. That yeah. commitment is really what makes it. Mm-hmm. Anytime, anytime they the have anything too. that that kind of rides that edge of like retcon, they try and handle it really well. Like mm -hmm. the, I think the biggest like retcon like fail I think they had was with the the rename of the the boss in in uh, Labyrinth of the Ancients, right? Where it's like, this oh, like, it, we have to do it. Sorry. Um, but like other than that, like they, they play we... right into it. Like you know, like Ishgardian Duke. They're like, yeah, no, this was a thing, but we're gonna we're gonna tweak it just a little bit. There were a couple of pretty big uh, retcon fumbles this patch, actually. Mm. A couple of pretty big ones. But we'll, we'll come to that when we start talking about Mojo. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let's, yeah. We'll, we'll make sure that we uh, we cover those. All in due time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I enjoy the uh, the way they do the lore books where they're like, yes, this is the lore, except it's from the stance right. of somebody so it, inside the world. So it, it could be wrong. Be. Who knows? Exactly. That's the they best knew what way they were do doing. It. They knew they knew mm -hmm. they, yeah. they needed to be able yeah. to, to be like, no, 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 no. That that's not some stupid scholar. That's just what they that, thought was fact, yeah. but guess what? Mm -hmm. No. It was a Charlene Duke that wrote that. Ignore that. It's, yeah. When you're controlling the information about a world, you have to do that sort of thing. You have to say, you know, like this is what's said in the world because you are the source of truth, and whatever you yep. say is true. Mm -hmm. So then you get into retcon territory. Just by the nature of it so it's great that they put it in the world and it helps to contextualize it it uh, yeah you're right it's great yeah if if all sources are diegetic then you never really have to mm -hmm. like strictly retcon um and i think 
uh, 14 does this really effectively. Um, if you lean too far on the other side, I, I love like Elder Scrolls the way Elder Scrolls con con uh, conducts law. But the problem with Elder Scrolls is that there is absolutely no way of knowing what is true yeah. um, because there are so many different accounts from different eras, from different races, from different cities about different historical events. And, you know, it, it just, just everything. You have a bunch of different angles that all contradict one another. Um, you've got like time periods that canonically are, are about like time fracturing where like multiple things happen and are all true and then they sort of stitch themselves back together later down the road and that's that's cool like it's a cool way of delivering law but it it takes it a little bit too far where it's nice in 14 that we can say like well this is what we have at the moment and we should treat this as if it is true whilst acknowledging that it may not be entirely yeah. so we, it, mm. it gives them that safeguard of of being able to like tell it how it is but mm -hmm. if we do need to change something we can and it you know it, it makes sense and it works mm -hmm. instead of just you know sometimes the little stretch mm -hmm. that you get trying to make two things meet together ends up being a really interesting story arc as well right i mean that's yeah. like the entire the entire thing with the Asians, right i mean it's mm -hmm. It's one of those things where I think if your story has the potential to change and shift in a way that adds more depth to it, is more interesting, adds more to your world, and expect, uh, kind of changes up the expectations of players, right? Gives them something maybe they didn't 100% see coming, which is why I think Shadowbringers really did hit people hard in a way, like mm -hmm. why people are still talking about the story. You shouldn't as a writer, and especially in these like long-term games, I think have to always hold yourself accountable to what you did years ago and like doing it in a way that respects what you've established so that players aren't confused or like effie's <laughs> like you were saying like i love elder scrolls but it is one of those things where it's like well anybody could argue anything it's anybody's game like you have no idea like mm -hmm. and history can be like that but when you're kind of creating a unified narrative and story people want to feel grounded in it to some degree so I think leaving room to evolve and like with the Asians and 5.3 and the culmination of a lot of these stories ended up being such a good thing because people are so excited by it. And it did nothing except for, I think, add more depth to what was already in the game in the world in a way that was really satisfying, you know? Um, and I think that took some nice risks with kind of giving players a new sense of empowerment in the world that I really wasn't sure if they were going to do. And when we get to it in this, we'll get to it with everything that gets revealed. But um, I was so excited with a lot of what 5.3 brought. So now that we've told you how much we like how they put the lore together, we'll tell you the specifics. <laughs> let's actually let's actually go down the list here. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at the outline, we've got like like three yeah. sentences. Yeah, I know. This is going to be a Which is really excited. <laughs> Buckle in. This is going to be a long one. Um, so after, after having story time, talking about the Warrior of Light, um, in the cabin of curiosity, uh, Riki Tio and her friends, uh, Arkil and Airwell over here. Um, you may remember them as the, the one of the most, the, the, the kid at the end of uh, the 5.0 MSQ, where they're like, how did you get so strong? And then you go, <laughs> Don't, I'm not telling, it's a secret. <laughs> uh, it's one of them, yeah. So um, Riki Tio is talking about, uh, you know, she hears about the Warrior of Light, and she's like, I want to be a Warrior of Light, but... Uh, I want to be like an apothecary that fights with potions. Job hint number one for six point nine. <laughs> um, <laughs> so are you excited down there, Healer? I, you know what? 
over time, I have gotten more excited for the idea of Apothecary. And I think a lot of that stemmed from me replaying 10 and Riku's entire character. And then also me yes. finally, like, finally <laughs> leveling Ninja. Those two things sure. simultaneously mm. made me excited for Apothecary because I love the classes that have not like an RNG element, but they have a mini game that you play while you play the game, if that makes sense. And so like Stormblood Astrologian was still one of my favorite things to do. The changes, I have feelings on them. We don't need to go into it, um, <laughs> good and bad. But I really do like the classes that give you something interesting. And I think in theory, Apothecary could, even if initially I wasn't super hyped about the flair, I think in theory, it could have a really fun play style. I like the idea of mixing different brews for different effects. But we'll just have to see what they do. I don't know. I can get behind uh, it, though. The the word apothecary took me right back to the word chemist in my head because when we were talking mm -hmm. about when we were talking about possible healers, chemist is where my mind went. And just like you, the first place I went was the way they built Riku in Ten. There was mm -hmm. something so cool about it. She's punching stuff. She's building stuff. She's throwing stuff. That was a great job, and I'd love to play something like that again. Yes. All right, uh, so moving down the list here. Um, so uh, you and Ali say decide uh, to you need you need ingredients to make some potions. Um, so you go out to kill bats and you kind of compete with Ali say. Um, I I loved that this patch has made me so like Team Ali say. Like I I absolutely <laughs> love her so in this. You weren't already. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it was it was on, getting dude. there, right? But like right. this Welcome this forward. really like solidified like her her place like on the on the list. Um, it's like you know you go there and and, and you beat her and or, or no she she beats you but then it's it's yeah. like oh you didn't even like try like <laughs> she's like calling you out for for letting her win um is there a possibility that you can leave or win yeah i figured it was just because of the points you pick because you have other points you could go to yeah yeah no i i, I think i true. tied with her yeah i think i tied with okay her. so so yeah. i did not know that there you go a little a little <laughs> A little something to mix it up. So that, that's the path of... I had. Mm. <laughs> um, I yeah, also, yeah. I also kind of love, like, Alice say, like what you're saying, the character details in this patch were so good, and I love that we get to see Alice's kind of hero worship. Like, however you want to read into that, I've seen a lot of people have different interpretations of it, right? But like the idea that she looks up to you, but she also is competitive with you, and. That was also such a nice tie-in here with a lot of the stuff that they would later kind of reveal with, um, you know, Elidibus and all everything else with that. This kind of idea of somebody who looks up to, like, this other figure. Um, and I just, Alice is just so good. Like, when she starts <laughs> yeah. getting wibbly at the end of this scene, I was just like, anybody but her. No, no, no. No, no. <laughs> because she really did come alive for me i think a lot of the characters did in in Shadowbringers, um and yeah like details and moments like this were definitely behind that yeah um so moving along with the plot um Thancred is starting to have some issues um we can tell that the separation from their bodies on the first is, is or on the source is really taking their toll um so you know we gotta we gotta get this this process rolling right um you go back over uh, to the source. Um, you talk to uh, Krile and Tataru. Uh, Tataru makes makes some a, a snack for you to take back to your friends. The the Archon loaf. Um, a loaf made of pulverized fish and Don't vegetable matter. You know, they describe like, it as um, terrible, and the only it reason they like it is terrible. because it's nostalgic. Yeah, yeah. 
Listen, well, it sounds I mean, like the remember kind of stuff we talked, that a, we talked a lot about. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> that's fair. It's very like, nutritious. That. It's, it's very yeah. nutritious. It's like lembas bread, right? It's like a yeah. thing that is just mm -hmm. meant to sustain you. And I love this detail that like the scholars just don't care about how it tastes. They're just like, we just need to go hard on research, guys. So just, I don't know, put a whole bunch of stuff together, make it sustain us. Like that, oh, what was that stuff that came out a while back that was supposed Soylent. to be like Soylent? Yes. Yep. <laughs> being in the Bay Area and being in tech, I can tell you that people do exist that will just be like, it's fine. I'll just drink this. It is, it's the meal. I don't need to move. It's, yeah, it's the same. Exactly. Well, the, the funny thing about the Shalians, and we've known this for a while, is they actually, like, they very deeply study the culinary traditions of every other culture in the world. And they have, you know, presumably, like, lots of you know recipes in their libraries and you know like celebrate all of that they just are not interested in eating it so much right <laughs> so the part the part that made it for me is that like brief moment of of agony that turns into joy when rambrose is like oh it's mm -hmm. terrible nailed it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes yes yeah this also oh. kind of made me curious about I mean, this was something they didn't really need to put in, right? Like, I mean, when, when we kind of look at it narratively, it's a cute little fun diversion. It adds some more context, I think, to some of the characters that, you know, maybe we haven't had a reminder for a long time that they are Sherlyan and that they have come from this, you know, sort of culture. But it did also mm -hmm. make me curious. Um, there's a lot of speculation that obviously in the next expansion, this would be a no-brainer place to take us, right? So them, like, putting in some more lore and culture around it did kind of make me go okay like maybe this is something that they're sort of putting in here as a tie to future stuff and places we might go i can't I mean, wait everything for the, putting as a tie little... to future stuff i yeah. can't wait for item text for the expansion that has charlayan for food items mm -hmm. oh yes <laughs> tastes mm -hmm. awful but it boosts your dexterity so who cares <laughs> oh no um, different versions of weird bread for raid food mm -hmm. but <laughs> you're your your fish bread, you got your your opkalu bread. bread. Yeah. You got your mar marble bread. Oh, lots of vitamins um, in that one. Spicy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> spicy. Um, you gain fifty you gain fifty debuffs, but one and really bad good breath. buff. <laughs> and <Yeah>. bad breath. <laughs> it may cause an cool. upset stomach. Um so you go, you go back. You take your, you take your, your Archon Luff. You go back to the first, um, and you go hook up with uh, Yashola in uh, Anemnesis and Eider to see um, what she's found from the the records that were down there. Uh, and then Elizabeth shows up and kidnaps her. Um, it was good. It's a way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, he, yeah, just he as had soon to know, as right? You had to be aware of where she was. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he just he was uh, just sitting up there on like a raft he's like any day now like what took you so long can we stop picking on your stola though like pick on somebody else for a little while <laughs> right i definitely had some minfilia getting abducted vibes and i was like oh mm -hmm. not this again mm -hmm. so i did <laughs> love it when you stola was like well you thought you could hold me peace and yeah. then just like disappeared yeah. i was like okay she's well. just she's just like i'm out i'm done with this <laughs> well it's not like he can kidnap anyone else because everyone else would just be too annoying in some way, right? Fan cred, it's like, whatever, nobody will come for him. You know, it's like Uriange, they'll just talk. Like, the it'll be over if you kidnap Uriange and you talk to him. That's my belief, at least. He's, he's too scared of Uriange. Right, Uriange exactly. bamboozled him so many times. Right. So he's Uriange not going to kidnap him. 
Yeah. Or yeah, he's trying to an anime pose. He'll kidnap him. him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, this felt practical, right? I mean, it's like they wanted sure. to set this next bit down sure. in Amarat. And we, even in our mm. like actual practical breakdown of 5.3, which you can find on YouTube, elsewhere, podcasting apps, you know, all that good stuff. We did talk a little bit about the setting of this. Um, on one hand, I think it's really nice to have this setting of Amarat with then our own journey through people we knew, friends that we had, all of those sorts of things, right? When I played through it the first time, this did have a big emotional impact on me. And I know that not mm. everybody in the cast agrees, like, which is totally fine. But it was a moment of reflection for me. And I felt like setting an Amarat was definitely a very specific thing, not only practical from just reusing stuff they already had, but also in the sense of like my own people that I've known, the people that I loved and protected mm -hmm. and fought for were once in this place. Um, as Elidibus tries to like, I think, draw that same connection and empathy with us to try and make us feel mm -hmm. something about this plight. So I like that it's set here. And from a practical standpoint, Ishtola getting kid, the whole thing there. I mean, it just makes sense. She's the only one that's still down there. Um, I think it's interesting. I'm curious to hear what everybody else felt about this sequence, like what its successes were, what you felt like maybe it did to even further lore, if if at all. Because it does feel like it, it hit some emotional notes, but I do think there could have been more done with this. And I'm just kind of curious to hear what everybody has to say. You know, okay. I'm kind of on the opposite end. Like it, it, it did hit some emotional beats. But essentially, it was just a recap with with an occasional, like, you know, you murdered our guys and stuff like that. Yeah, some commentary. Mm -hmm. I think, I think if anything, they could have almost done without it. Um, I, I don't know that it necessarily added a lot for me. Like, you know, right. It was like an emotional trip down memory lane, but that was it for, for, for my, my point of view. Mm. I think that's, that's reasonable. Like there, there wasn't any sort of, um conflict you know right. there wasn't any like us being forced to kill our friends sort of feeling to it it was right. very like transparent like well okay yeah we know they're just phantoms or whatever um, it's a vr run yeah mm -hmm. um so I, I mean i i think that that is largely the, the medium you know like yeah. an mmorpg like a third person tab target mmorpg would be really kind of difficult to give that sort of conflict and that urgency. Um, but I think Rook is right that it's very effective at conveying the fact that what the Scions are to us is what the convocation these people in Amarot were to Elidibus. Um And even if we don't um, uh, endorse uh, their their course of action we can relate to it and we can understand how they got into the the position that they're they're currently in um and i mean they did a lot of that you know in in 5.0 with with emmett but uh so far you know elidibus has just been um very very flat um mm. it's nice that we gave that we were given sort of an explanation as to why he's mm -hmm. flat why he's like a a you know, a psychopath, basically, as far as, you know, we can, we can see. Um, but it was also really important to humanize him um, in order to give any sort of emotional weight to the, the, right. the climax of our encounter. Yeah. And yeah, to it, me... I think it would have been nice to have that earlier. 
Um, sure. Just because, I mean, you know, it's mm-hmm. like it's like that patch. Like this is this is it. This yeah. is going to be the end. Right. Now we start yeah. to see a little bit more of, and you know, and I wish we had gotten that. Just even you know the patch before. Um, I, I feel like it kind of made it feel a little rushed in a way. Well, it's Ishikawa, isn't it? You, you yeah. got to remember yeah. that the 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 only post 5.0 patch that Ishikawa wrote the MSQ for was 5.3, mm-hmm. uh, unless I'm greatly mistaken. And as far as I understand, she didn't write 5.1 or 5.2. I think that's um, right. And that's not to like cast aspersions on the writers right. of those patches, but this is like in a lot of ways Ishikawa's narrative, I think, at this point. Yeah. Yeah, and so, she has. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry, Aldino, you were trying to speak oh, early. Go no, for it. Fine. Go for it. <laughs> the only thing I was going to say is, um, you know, that that segment with the recap. Yeah, you know, it it humanized them, and then to me, after and we'll get through all of five point three, but at the end, theoretically, looking back, yeah, theoretically, looking back at that moment, to me, it was it was strangely mechanical, right? Mm-hmm. To me, it was like a an audit of you, and a recap of Elizabeth who I think of after the end of 5.3 is kind of like an AI trying mm-hmm. to find how to beat you going back through the things that did happen, trying to destabilize you, but also kind of poking and prodding to me. It, it's like so mechanical. And I really enjoyed that. That's of course, after all of 5.3 and just the way that I saw it, but that made me feel more for a little bit. Kind You're of saying a little bit with metagaming. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> In, in a very metagamey way in the MMO as well. These kind of ludonarrative mm-hmm. kind of things that they're doing are great. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I 100% agree with you. That definitely, that definitely feels like it's there. And it is interesting because Ishikawa, I think, when we were talking about a lot of these really beautifully crafted character beats, I think mm-hmm. that is something that Ishikawa just is unbelievably good at. I mean, unbelievably. Like... We talked about the evolution of a lot of the scions in Shadowbringers, and even going back to like some of my favorite moments from Stormblood, which isn't one of my favorite X-Packs, but almost every moment that was my favorite was something she had crafted. Like <laughs> She's incredibly good at telling character narratives. And mm-hmm. also, I think, exploring these like more complex issues or gray areas with this focus on like heart and, and feeling and emotion. So... In a lot of ways, I do think it's really impressive that this one instance, even if it doesn't further a lot of what we know, like I, th- I think I was hoping it would give me more Amarat lore. It would give me more information about who we were, our own experience. We'd have like a blast to the past and we would, you know, like <laughs> right. be wandering through our own memories of Amarat. Um, or but even like, mm, oh, go ahead, go ahead. One problem, there's one problem with that. Elidipus doesn't know Amarat, right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't and, know Amarot Lord. Right. He doesn't know, you know, Azem Lord. He he yeah. doesn't remember. Yeah, so doesn't this, want this, to remember. This politics is all he's got. Yeah, and given like, the option, it is yeah, really given, sad. Given the yeah. option, he was like, "Now nah, just forget it again anyway." What? Yeah. <laughs> How would you not want to know about yourself and where you came from? Well, I mean, when you think about it, though, Machine. that's an incredibly painful mm-hmm. burden to carry. Like when you mm-hmm. think about it, right? To, mm-hmm. to remember and lose it and remember and lose it. We know that it's driven some of the other Asians mad. We know mm-hmm. that it's Emmett. I mean, for he's probably the most intact out of all of them, which is really saying something like when you look mm-hmm. back at it. But like Emmett in many ways has weathered it better than the rest. 
but I can see why some would choose not to, especially with Elidibus's special circumstances. And I do think that, since we haven't touched on this, this instance does give us our first taste of some of the contradictions of Elidibus's memory, um, no. of Elidibus's unsurety, uh, th this, like, this conflict that you pick up on. Um, it's funny because I, the final battle, I almost feel like I could have done without in a lot mm. of ways. I almost would have rather just had a dialogue sequence where you can really try to like change Elidibus's mind or get more information about what's happening with Elidibus. But I'm also always the person that builds around persuasion or intimidation, you know, <laughs> so, um, but it, it does, I think, set the ground for work for what's to come while also mechanically serving a purpose, which I think ultimately is efficient, even if. I don't know, maybe it could have been bulked up in some different ways. I'm not sure. To answer your earlier question on just like how this sequence kind of hit and played out for each of us, um, it sent my mind running in three directions at once. Like I got one that says, oh, the writers are like giving us this little memory cue to go back down memory lane and all the stuff we've been through so far. But like, you know, I look into that stuff all the time. So I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, so like, what, why is he doing it? What's his point? What's he building up to? So the whole time I'm waiting for him to get to this grandiose point of that. The reason we went down this memory lane is what? Um, and we more just kind of got to the end and resolved it and went our separate ways for a little bit. Um, but looking back on it, like the part of my brain that tries to make sense of all the deep lore and put all the pieces together is like, maybe he's trying to like bring back those, you know, warrior of light themes and sentiments in our head. Cause that's part of what feeds his own energy. So it's like, I probably just made that up, but it's what's going to be on my mind for a bit. For, uh, for me, it was more, uh, he's trying to get across to the point that we're screwing up his, his life, uh, and and like turn it back and be like you need to realize that, that this is what you're doing and it's like dude we already met emmett selk he has already ingrained that in <laughs> We've his had this talk we get it <laughs> we don't we don't need this again i mm -hmm. like actually doing all of the little mechanics and seeing all the characters and going on this little walk was really fun for me but i felt like the point was just not there for that particular thing well if if i remember right too once you get to that kind of like stormblood section he does talk about how xenos is is kind of like a wild card in a way right so it's mm -hmm. also one of those things like man xenos this is still in play <laughs> please look forward to it you know <laughs> right. like kind of hinting at what I mean, you're, you're not wrong but also instead uh... of having this you know asian methodical thing it's just right. here's this crazy guy he's mm -hmm. next <laughs> less fun uh kefka Get out. You're right. They're looking out. back on it. Looking back on it, I did have a few moments where I was like, yes, I get it. We've mm. both killed each other's friends. That's a war. I know. Right. It sucks. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I'm also not giving up. Can we? Uh, yes, yeah. I'm a monster. I'm a blood mm. instrument. You've been telling me you the wrong reborn. Okay. I didn't actually kill La Habrea. You know, that was Thornton, but okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, there I guess are I was there characters. and didn't stop it, so I guess I'm at fault too. <laughs> I'm complicit. Mm -hmm. There were a few <laughs> things that I, you know, was glad to see. I guess that they just hadn't forgotten, or you know, like we'll get to this when we start talking about Boja. Um, but one of the big things I've always harped on forever was Isail and her whole situation with being a semi-primal. So, sure. like, what we eventually get later, I, I do think there, there are some things there that are worth 
maybe just touching over again, thinking about again. And I'm always a sucker for that like victory lap before the big heroic moment. <laughs> I do agree with you though, Anonymous, in that I felt like it was leading up to something bigger and it didn't quite happen. But then what follows, I was like, oh my God, you know, like, right? <laughs> I was like, it's happening. Mm -hmm. This is really happening. So I guess it just didn't quite feel like those two things really like directly had momentum into each other. They kind of felt like two separate things, which, you know, I'm all right with. Um, but I think maybe there could have been more of a bridge to that gap, you know. So anyway, uh, stole escapes. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, after after this this trip down memory lane, uh you you fight a little bit in Ardbird's body. Um surprise, we win. Um and then Yishtol is like, "Hey, I escaped by myself. I don't need people to save me." Um and then a little bit retreats. It's a little bit um, of uh my uh, annoyance alleviated from Really? Are we picking <laughs> on her again? Oh, she <laughs> took care of herself. All right. You know, it's it's you know, I had this thought earlier. Um at at this point, are there any scions that haven't had this kind of like little like si like 2.0 we get Thancred gets taken away 2.x Benfili gets kidnapped uh Aldino gets gets goes off with Gaius Aldino uh, or not Aldino <laughs> Alfino <laughs> it's similar Aldino goes off with Gaius trip. how was your trip to the burn um you know then and then we have uh you know Yashul gets kidnapped here um I'm trying to th like has has Alice been kidnapped? Not really. I don't think so. Right? No. Like... No, because even when she thinks... She thinks that Alfino is dead several times. Like, there's also yeah. the time when he's at the castrum, right? And sh is she's the one who rushes back? I mean, Alice got she... shot. She yeah, did she get did. shot. She yeah. got oh, shot yeah. and nearly died. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Cryo did get kidnapped in Stormblood for a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd kind of like to see this new badass Alize get kidnapped. Yeah, she would just. She, and then, like, them. we go to like. She'd have some great one-liners. Oh, yeah. Everybody's just. She just took care of it herself. Christmas every. <laughs> every time we cut to a meanwhile of what's going on, it would just be like her sass and her kidnappers. Like, I okay. yeah. give me that. I want that now. I'm imagining I took Takaro uh, in Realm Reborn, right into the cast room. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I kind of want mm -hmm. Alice to be the one who kills Milk Drinker. That's kind of my, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of my hope. That would really be satisfying to me. Oh, uh, I forgot all about Milk Drinker. How could you milk, forget what, about what, Milk what were you, Drinker? What, what was the the full Milk Drinker yay calcius? Is that what we were, were calling? Like yeah. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. We need to get that's like a terrible. t shirt made where like he's, just, he's got the garlic and like the full mask on, but he's got like a milk mustache. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, okay, so um, after this, um, we start to find crystals on the ground um, in Amaron, mm -hmm. um, which contain memories of the Convocation of Fourteen. Um, just you know, little little snippets here and there. Eventually, we run into our our good friend Hythlodius. Nailed it. And he, this is like the kind of big like reveal, right? Things that we like we've kind of known, but this is like, hey. So, uh, you know, there, there, there was, right. Yeah. He says, I mentioned before there was a member of the convocation who opposed Zodiac summoning and defected one whose office was left vacant, uh, defectors having been deemed unworthy of, uh, commemoration. No crystal exists for the individual in question or shouldn't exist at any rate and wouldn't had a friend not <laughs> created one in secret. Um, 
presumptuous mm-hmm. a friend of mine. <laughs> who, is, who is the friend hmm. like i'm a big um, emmett lover so friend is definitely the right. accurate word yeah <laughs> <laughs> um he goes on to say a crystal variant the forgotten name of his office along with a magic of his own conceiving a singular incantation embodying his spirit uh, among all the offices the 14th was most unusual for while the rest sat in Amarant, its holder was charged with gaining an intimate knowledge of the wider world in the course of his duty he traveled the length and breadth of every land and befriended countless folk if you're not picking up on it yet this is us um <laughs> this this line is like that sounds kind of like me um he encountered troubles too of course matters which he uh could simply have referred to the convocation but that was not his way Nay, more often than not, he would call upon his comrades to together resolve matters themselves. Such is the magic sealed within that crystal, the magic to summon the stars to your side. Um, in time of your greatest need, should you wish upon it with all your heart, it'll surely answer your call. And now it is where it belongs. There's no need for thanks, but nor will I hear any complaints about it either. After all, I cannot say whether I act of my own volition or by the will of my recreator. So this that's that's interesting to me. It's like, so... I might just be giving this to you, or maybe Emmett made me give this to you. That's that's interesting. Um, I had Again, so so many mixed emotions. Yeah, like we we knew we knew something was up. Like Yoshida's mentioned a few times, like quote unquote, the true nature of the Warrior of Light. Um, and we knew something was up because um, when we went over like Azim in the step, they were like, well, maybe that's kind of related to Azima somehow. Maybe we don't know. Maybe there's some common root in all of this. So we know to look, we knew to look out for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a game where I've spent the whole time hoping we're just like a normal adventurer that comes back around and is a big hero <laughs> and retires to suddenly have the game be like, by the way, you know, in a war between the earth and the moon, you are the sun. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess, I guess we're well, super important, yeah. but I it's, like... it's, it's not really us. We're not really a yeah, Zem. So exactly. yeah, I get it. Part of both it. is true. You know, we are, we are both this rando adventurer that just happens to kind of fall in these circumstances and make the best of it. And we are also the inheritor of, of this legacy. Um, they can both be equally true. And they've, they've delivered this sort of, um, uh, I guess, like power fantasy in such a way that um, it doesn't take away our agency in such a way that right. it doesn't sort of, you know, negate all those other things about our character and about whatever that we kind of pour into our character. Um, it doesn't take any of that away. So I think this is like kind of kind of a nice way of doing it, honestly. Yeah. My favorite part yeah. about this particular uh, confirmation was uh, learning that my character is a narcissist because I've been worshipping mm-hmm. Azema the whole time, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, right. cool. Uh-huh. It's yeah. so. It's, I, I think mean, it's. Go ahead, Fusion. Go ahead. I was gonna say I think it's great with with Emmett Silk Samrat. They have the uh, they can do the DNA test. You just you just swap them out and hey, you're two you're two fourteenths uh, a Zem. That's like, <laughs> cool. All right, neat. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of big feels. I was almost the opposite of this animal, or sorry, anonymous, because it drives me nuts when you are in a game or there's a book or whatever media you are participating in, and then it's like here's this really cool thing that's like super mega important. You don't get to do that. That's not for you. 
that thing is, you know what, is too important for you. So you can't be a part of it. Like it's just too much. And with a lot of what they've done with uh, the narrative up until this point, you know, we are the warrior of light, but so much of that has been kind of negated, stepped back on it. In a way, you know, like we have the crystals. We think we're cool because we have the crystals. Then Midgard Summer's like, no crystals for you. And then he takes them away. And I remember at that moment, I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> who are you? Like, you know like, who I am. Like, yeah. I dig your whole dragon vibe. This dungeon was great. What is wrong with you? Like, I had a lot of big feelings. And obviously, we now know that there were like bigger issues surrounding that. That, yeah, we probably don't want to be beholden to Heidelin. And like, there's a lot of other things in that, you know? But for me, I honestly, as a player, thought that they would never actually come out and give us this gratification. I was like, they're going to dance around it so people can headcanon it if they want, but they're never going to give it to us because that would make us way too cool and important. And then they gave it to us. And I was like, you were like, oh, we're the sun. I was going, I'm the sun! Like, <laughs> like, would you like to have the cake and be able to eat it? Here's a fork. Yes, because I love... Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I love I love the indignation at the Lord of Silver Tear Lake. Just like you've yeah. been dead since this game started. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you think you are? It was such a journey. And I was so excited to be a part of the narrative that had so, so, so sparked my imagination, you know? Um, and also like in this one move to finally actually get some information about things, like in the game, you know what I mean? Like, going through this, talking about the fact that there was a seat that went out into the world, which answered so many questions that I had about, like, were there, I mean, we know there were other cities, but, like, what about the normal people that just existed in this world? Where were they? Oh, they did. <laughs> like, well, yeah, well, you know, but here's the thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> was everybody a part of this big, huge order, all creating stuff, or were there actually still regular people, if you will, back, you know, in the, the time of the ancients? Um, and then the short story that we got later also filled in some stuff. And I love the little mm. tie-in with the Temple of Corn. Mm. I know it's Karn, but like we always call it the <laughs> Temple of Corn. With the grapes and the fire. Like, that was great. I yeah. laughed. It was hilarious. Uh, but we finally actually got some really tangible confirmation of things. And to me, that was so satisfying. I was so excited. And, Ethys, I absolutely agree with you in that I think they did this in a way that is so well balanced i mean you you don't have to really necessarily put a ton of weight on this if you don't want to right but you also can really make that a part of your character's story um it's it's together but separate in a way that i really appreciate um and man i just was so excited about all this i just everything i just have a lot of emotions <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad you bring up the short story because like as a as a limbs elementsa player that was like a big thing for me to see that a zem was like all about this island off to the mm. side where there's like a volcano and great grapes and wine and i'm just like you're a limbsa still favorite child <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was uh, just fun it was fun yeah okay uh, so after after this kind of like ooh okay, um, you meet up with the signs in Yulemore, um, and then hey look it's another star shower. Oh hey look Amarat is looks like it's rising from the bottom of the depths of the ocean, um, and then we get uh, the the these glowing figures that appear and just kind of like uh, you know start to attack us. Um, so we're like oh all right that's odd 
we should we should go to the crystarium we should we should figure out what's going on and it's like hey take an airship and of course all of us knowing nothing can go not wrong on an airship this yeah. isn't gonna last long this isn't gonna be a sh- this is gonna be a short flight um and so we do the the, the heroes gauntlet. so to be fair of the many 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 other times we've used airships to get to dungeons nothing has gone wrong it's true so we got to the dungeon mm. well well i mean it was you know there was a star shower i mean you know stuff shush, shush, shush. in the sky and i mean you yeah know. it's probably not a great <laughs> idea was, was i the only one that um was really concerned here that elizabeth had managed to possess graha yes. i thought he had oh yeah definitely i, I thought he had when control. I, when I saw the trailer, I was like, well, that's the only way he's going to be able to do it, right? right? I, I um, deliberately didn't form an opinion. Like, mm-hmm. I saw people suggesting that Graha was going to be possessed from the instant we got the patch art. Mm-hmm. Um, it became this huge speculative thing. So when I saw him do, like, the same darkness thing he did to Minfilia, where it was, like, that spike, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um back when he did that in one of the languages in the client he's like huh i can't take possession of this body so that was a moment that i was like yeah let's just stir the pot on twitter but other than that i didn't really take a side no i didn't i didn't have any predictions yeah i was i was certainly open to that possibility i think narratively um Mm -hmm. but i don't know that i had a strong feeling that that would necessarily happen Mm -hmm. Um, didn't even register i was just like oh that was a hmm okay moving on i thought he might either be possessed or dead that's where I was like either he's dead and or like he has managed to use I mean like the kind of mentioned later like his biological material to deal like to do this or Mm. he's taking memory as well yeah Yeah. Mm. well that's that's the thing right nowadays like you get to a finale of a story right and everyone's like who's gonna die who's gonna be right (laughs) and you know what I'm thinking the whole way through and and particularly afterwards um I said in an interview when she, when she was asked about this about characters sort of dying and then coming back or nearly dying but then you know being fine she says there's always a price and in her mind when she's writing she makes a decision that when someone cheats death or dodges a bullet or comes back there is always a price that someone mm-hmm. has to pay for that so there is a reckoning coming between now and and six well i was feeling good and... about the ending of 5.3 <laughs> shit man why you gotta hey <laughs> there, it's coming it's yeah. coming i think one of the biggest things that this dungeon kind of like it's fun mm. i had a lot of feelings more about the mechanical you know the context side of this when we were doing our more practical hands-on but mm. from like a lore standpoint i think what really interested me about this whole summoning warriors of light thing was the fact that that like as we go through it we get this kind of information or like later on that the warriors that were summoned were summoned incompletely Mm -hmm. that they're Mm -hmm. fragmented um Mm -hmm. i mean we obviously get some more possible things for a new class which we will talk about i'm sure here in a second but like we see these different reflections of people from other places that have been presumably brought here and in great numbers right Right. like in Mm -hmm. huge numbers which mm. then really did leave me concerned long term for like, well, if we defeat them here, then does there do they go back or they do, do they, they just kill a it? bunch of good guys? They, so I, they, they should be okay, right? You think yeah. so? they, okay. It was it was explained in a very roundabout way where only if you know like a lot of the weird deep lore, it makes any sense at all. Um, Please explain. So, yeah. So, like, the nature of what Elidibus is, and we'll get to that, it mm. ties it ties him up with the notion of 
being a warrior of light being that you want to save the world. So anybody that wants to save the world empowers him because that's like believing in his purpose. Mm -hmm. So there's a tie between wanting to save the world, being a warrior of light and empowering Elidibus, which is how he's able to um, reach out to people with the star shower, make a whole bunch of new warriors of light, and then they want to save the world so badly. And he's able to kind of sidejack into that power. It's like he so opens as, up like a factory to make new batteries for him, essentially. Right. <laughs> and when this this spell that he's using, when he copies Graha's spell, is that when he summons people's incomplete forms, like like Thancred in them, the only part that he's really summoning is that volition, that that desire to save the world that helps empower him, because that's what he's able mm -hmm. to latch onto. And he burns that part of their will and their desire onto the ether, and it makes like a little phantom of them. But if we disperse that theoretically they're still fine wherever mm. they are assuming mm. that they weren't just like you know super tired that day I mean, they they like lost all their motivation <laughs> like we, yeah. we, we killed their motivation <laughs> yeah they might it's, they might yeah. have a few days laying in bed like i don't want to do nothing right it's i want to save the world today these are warrior it's, of light eggies really that's yeah. what they are <laughs> well, yeah it's, it's interesting yeah, too kinda, I'm talking yeah. about you know the you know are we actually going to get like the hard like definition this is exactly what happened mm -hmm. maybe but also at the same time you have to remember that little easter egg in that dungeon and mm -hmm. who was also affected by this and how their quest chains oh, are always yeah, just like do whatever about... the yeah. hell you want because hildebrand yeah. was yeah. one of these these specters gentlemen so... of light mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> i i cannot overstate how much i love the idea of summoning the volition to save the world to empower yourself like that to me like this this dungeon and the realization elevated a little bit in and of itself like i didn't mm -hmm. even need to see any more just because of that it's such a, a twisting you know and it's perfect for a villain that didn't seem to have his own you know it's like a little bit he's just a cartoon robot mm -hmm. but yeah you know he he uses the will of the people against them it's just so and especially i love it with with an expansion where the narrative is like okay now you're the warrior of darkness fighting mm -hmm. light and kind of flipping right. that you yeah. know t you know tried and true kind of like dark versus light narrative right. it's like okay we'll flip this and then also uh we're gonna fight you with heroes <laughs> oh okay well <laughs> I think that's like that's exactly what it comes down to, and we need to like go back to sort of the the real world and and the process and the reality that is probably Yoshida or you know someone from the design team coming to the writers uh, and saying like, so Shadowbringers, we're the Warrior of Darkness. We want to end it by fighting the Warrior of Light. Make it happen, right. and the creative problem solving to take Elidibus and take this idea of him being empowered by um you know the, the the warrior of light as a concept throughout history uh the connotation that we were being sort of like groomed basically by the Asians most of the way through our journey until we managed to sort of like slip free mm -hmm. of our leash somewhere in heaven's ward um is just so compelling and such like creative problem solving in a narrative sense that's um it's just fantastic like a, a lot of people um a lot of people get this backwards with the reveal with a zem and a zem being the the wanderer the shepherd to the stars all this kind of stuff they're like oh man that sounds like us i guess they were planning that from the beginning 
right? <laughs> and that our character was written in a way that would reflect this. And obviously that's a load of crap and it's the other way around, right? It's like, okay, they've decided we're going to be our Zem. Now let's give a Zem, you know, the qualities that our character has already come to, uh, you know, imbue. But the fact that people can get it backwards uh, just shows like how tight and seamless they have kind of like tied that thread. Um, yeah. And this patch is just like that through and through really. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, this was great. The, the other like thematic thing I really loved is that the two climaxes of Shadowbringers is us as the warrior of light fighting against the embodiment of darkness uh, in Hades. And then us having to perform the other role and fighting against the embodiment of lights in Elidibus as the warrior of darkness. And us just like really solidifying this idea that um, is really what Shadowbringers is all about is us uh, subverting, but also like growing beyond this dichotomy. Become and us being like, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Us being the warrior of whatever the hell we need to be. Mm. And us, like, it's very sort of empowering for our character, mm -hmm. I think. It's it's interesting too, because um, that, for, for whatever reason, hearing you talk about that makes me then kind of think about sixteen a little bit, right? Which is also being worked on by by Yoshida-san, where it's just mm -hmm. kind of like, yeah, so we're gonna take all this old Final Fantasy stuff and just get rid of it. Crystals, we don't need the crystals anymore. That's like the whole plot of like sixteen. It's like, nah, we're not gonna let the crystals dictate anything anymore. Warrior of Light, who cares? Like, <laughs> right? It's about overcoming the tropes, right? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Which is brilliant. And I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, I think that they really have probably worked backwards on this. Now, to be fair, I think they also left themselves some great, like, cracked doors with <laughs> the whole, Certainly. you know, like, Warrior of Darkness, when they first show up, you're like, what? And then they're just yeah. gone, and you're like... I will oh. I will never <laughs> no. forget um, E3 right before Heavens Word launched. Me and Anonymous were, were both out there talking to Koji um, right after the Heavens Word launch trailer came out. And we just, we see, we see Koji at the booth. We just go to say hi. And he just looks at us. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. He goes, do not ask me about the Warriors of Darkness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Don't there do are it. Weird little cracks that they left open. And it is interesting because I wonder like where the seeds of these thoughts started. And mm -hmm. like, if it even was there or if that was just something they were like, oh, well, we kind of maybe have a half idea for this. So we'll figure it out. Um, but I mean, even with this whole premise with the warrior of light and, you know, everything here, when you look back at what like Louis Swa did, it really does. I mean, just completely put a lot of that in an interesting new light. I mean, the idea mm -hmm. that he essentially did exactly the same. He used a cultivation of faith that was mm -hmm. already in the world, mm -hmm. channeled that and then used that to combat a great threat. And, um, the way that they have kind of, I think, reached back to take various iterations of things and then give them more context or more expansion does help contribute to that kind of seamless narrative um which is really which is really neat i mean honestly mm -hmm. to see that yeah. and you're right i love that interplay between light and dark and this idea and we even know from a lot of the little developer blogs and things that they did that they didn't want the creatures of light to look like angels because right. they're really good but not really you know like mm -hmm. they wanted there to be this discussion about like anything in excess is a threat you know like mm -hmm. that there is a sense of balance that must be maintained in the world and that polarizing opinions i mean in many ways can shift power in a way that can be drastic or d dramatic or endangering because it doesn't actually i think s 
solve the world's problems as a whole, you know? Um, and it's been very interesting to see them grow beyond what I think many other games and or stories or narratives base the foundation of their storytelling on, but not necessarily in a way that is super mega depressing or like, you know, <laughs> when you think about heroes, anti-heroes, all these different things, there's usually this like massive polarization. Um, if it's going to be a realistic gritty narrative, it's got to also kill everyone you love and everything <laughs> right. has to die. And like, I thought that this this expansion in 5.3 had a really interesting balance to it. And even mm -hmm. as Elizabeth is a, is a villain, we also get this incredible compassion, um, which it, we're going to probably dig into here in a second. But. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, looking back at, at just the development of the, of the story overall, I would be really curious to hear about what the because obviously we, we know that they plan these expansions years ahead of time right so w did they know what was going to happen with the warriors of darkness in in heaven's word they maybe, said that they they not. said okay so here's the way that this usually works is if you reach two years back in the roadmap that's yeah. where they yeah. that's where they were planning the thing that you're seeing today mm -hmm. so they actually they, they in 3.4 when they wrapped up the warriors of darkness that was supposed to be it um and minfilia gives you that vague promise that you're going to see her again someday but that was that was going to be the end of that but it was so popular and then when they decided that they were going to yeah. go to the first after all it was how do you not use that how do you right. not do that again yeah so like I, uh... This is just the power. This is just the power of of using old content to make new content. They mm -hmm. look at all of their open endings and they try to like put some stuff together when they go forward. Okay. Yeah, and that, it's was, just, it's that was that was my question because I mean, you could say, okay, you know, three years ago, we're gonna have the Warriors of Darkness. The first we'll fight the Warrior of Light, and then obviously you fill in the finer details once you get closer and actually start working on mm -hmm. it, right? But I'm curious, just like when they start to plan these things right what are the these you know the the big strokes that they make and then the little you know the little details i'd be really curious to see you know when developing these expansions what they're like their there's bullet so points many were. they've already Yoshida, forgotten yeah Yoshida actually spoke to this very recently and and he's he's talked about this many times but um there was a article uh interview published by mrpg.com a couple of days ago um and he was saying that like right from the beginning right from when he got on board they were really really uh deliberate to just plant seeds everywhere mm -hmm. of all kinds of of whatever like you can go back to ARR zones and in all of them you will still see you know like like sealed doors that that mm -hmm. don't go anywhere that we don't know anything about uh, and things like that and this idea of just planting so many seeds that we have so many like opportunities to like tie things mm -hmm. together and yeah we'll we'll plan like two years ahead but even beyond that when we get there there will be like so many opportunities so many threads that we can uh that we can pull on um so yeah it's a decision they made from the very beginning that that was the way that we're going to write the the narrative um and it makes it like a, a difficult sort of needle of thread but sorry um, right. yeah in um, that explanation it, it sounds to me like a murder board without the red string you know and they yeah, come back yeah, and they put in the yeah. red string they're like yeah. okay for this expansion we have three red strings we can use right. what are we connecting mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's one exactly. of the things that I look for when I go back and dig through stuff like and you can sometimes find it like um, mm -hmm. there's a big change in the characterization of Ida and Lise between mm -hmm. like 
2.3 and 2.4, you start seeing some pretty big changes between her. She drops that first, like, we're in this for all amigo during 2.5. Um, and if you go back to our last interview with Koji before Shadowbringers dropped, you can hear him in that interview just being like, I can't talk about Xenos and putting his hands over his ears and yelling like, I'm not talking about Xenos. So like they know about two years out and then the rest is like you say, murder string. (laughs) I like that metaphor. I mean, honestly, when you look at, (laughs) when you look at, an MMO, right? And especially, I think for so long, people tried to avoid doing long-term stories like this because Mm. I think the impetus is always, let's shuffle new players into the latest content so they don't feel like they're left out. Let's get them into the most recent X-Pack. We'll give them separate narrative arcs. We'll empower them to play whatever. But 14 took a very different mentality with that, um, with this idea of like, we will have something that stands up as a single player RPG within the Final Fantasy franchise narratively, but as an MMO. And I honestly, I'm so glad you brought that up, Ethies, because that is so brilliant and you can just see it happening. Like to design your storytelling in that kind of way for this type of game is honestly, I think one of the most forward thinking things you could have ever done. Like, I mean, that's just incredible because there are a lot of things you need to explore in an MMO and a lot of narratives that you need to keep going. And especially if you're telling a continuous story to -hmm. give yourself room to be able to just be like, okay, yeah, murder threat, you know? (laughs) Well, writing for an MMO that could last for two years, could last for 10 years, could last for 20 years Mm -hmm. is such a completely different beast to writing any other type of game or really any other uh, type of uh, media honestly mm-hmm. i mean it, it, it you know yoshida talks about it, how it's most similar to to a serialized drama but even with a serialized drama it's like you get your you know three seasons ordered and then when you get to the end of that you're like all right let's extend it out again let's extend it out again whereas this has literally been from the beginning it might last two years it might last 10 like and and we need to be able to keep that ball rolling. Um, and, you know, I don't think any other MMORPG on the market has really, like, managed to remain uh, consistent in that narrative, particularly not delivering it uh, in a way like this. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, and there's so yeah. much text that, go, <laughs> that goes into these patches, you know, talking, opening up, start, you know, talking about FanVest between two ferns. I can remember early on, uh, you know, Koji mentioning, you know, the size of one patch is equal to like this many like Kingdom Hearts games. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of tech in Kingdom Hearts games. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, we do we fight a little uh, bit. <laughs> yeah, we fight a little bit. Yeah. Um, we do the the, the Heroes Gauntlet uh, dungeon where we're fighting all of these, uh, you know, kind of summon warriors of of light. Um, and we was was Rook. Did you mention job stuff that you, we, we yeah. wanted to go over oh, here? Yeah. Yeah, necromancer. The necromancer. I don't. Necromancer. I don't see it. I just don't no. see it. Mm. Me neither. I. I have said, and my conspiracy theory is, we're due for a caster if we're due for anything other than a healer. Just because there's been three for so long, and Blue Mage was a not he, you know, not caster. I don't know. That don't count. Yeah. It was it was a thematic thing for me. Like when I saw Apothecary, I was like, that's too specific. Mm-hmm. Is that a hint? But when I was in the dungeon. <laughs> When I was in the dungeon, I felt like the writers were trying to make them feel otherworldly. 
to right. make it mm, make it obvious sure. that those jobs were coming from worlds that were not our own, but still people who wanted to save the world. And that's what I got from that one. But there could be hints in there. I don't know. Could be. I mean, there's a ton of hints for necromancy even on uh, even on the source, right? Yeah. I was recently going back through. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. what is okay, Lore Masters? Because I'm always terrible with names. <laughs> One of the 24 mans, it has Ozma in it. One of the bosses is a beautiful but weird man that sits yeah. on a chair. Waiting City. Fadiad. You're talking about Fadiad in um, yeah. Weeping City of Mark. Yeah. And he sits on the chair and he actually uses a ton of the Sorry, stuff. Sorry, Fogal, not Fadiad. Fogal, Fogal. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, he uses a ton of the abilities that mm -hmm. uh, we even see in the Necromancer later. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I don't like necromancy classes. I don't want one, really. I think they You could have fooled me the way you were going into this. <laughs> no, but like the thing is, is that I myself also felt like when I was doing the dungeon, I was right there with you, Anonymous. I was like, I don't know. I mean, it does, I guess it could work in the lore, but mm -hmm. necromancy isn't really a staple class that we have a ton of examples of, although there are some in Final yeah, Fantasy. Same. But then when I was running through other stuff, I started seeing these little things. And I was like, yeah. well, there are mummies. There are undead. There are these. Th I was like, to me, that hooks directly into Thaumaturge, though. There's already mm -hmm. a death magic class, technically. I, yeah. I remember years ago, um, there was talk um, about the possibility of adding Necromancer to 11. Um, and mm -hmm. I, if, if I remember it right, the reason that it was not included was because of the way that mob spawns work with the time of day and it would be weird if you had undead coming out at noon <laughs> from oh. the necromancer because of the way that that stuff kind of worked um i mean obviously with with 14 right. i mean you can go into temple of corn you know in the middle of the day and you'll still fight mummies so um you know they could they could make that work if they if they if they wanted to right. um there are so many jobs and disciplines that exist in the law. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, that have been hinted here and there. Uh, so, so many. I The only reason, and I know it's not much and they could make it work, but the only reason I just don't think Necromancer is on the cards is because it's too difficult to uh, reskin it, reflavor it for the Chinese market. Yoshida yeah. has mm. talked about this before. I think I think it was in context fair... of uh, Palace of the Dead. He was yeah. talking about how they had to change like a bunch of assets and stuff for the Chinese client because of their you know issues with like you know undead well, and like skeletons and ghosts in particular, and the fact that they cannot portray them. And it's like, yes, they could reflavor it. They could make it something else for that market, but it would be so much easier just to not and just. Yeah. Dude, that's a really fair else. point that i hadn't even considered of that makes uh, a thousand percent sense i wouldn't, um, you know, I, wouldn't the... I wouldn't put so much stock into it if it's not right. something that yoshida had like explicitly discussed before uh yeah. in interviews and panels but uh, i really think that that's like just such a barrier mm -hmm. i think the, like, no, the... i agree on the other side of that, I mean, I, I think the the consensus probably amongst most players right now is that if we do get another limited job, it will be Beastmaster. Um, yeah. And and how would those two be different? I think is another question that that could come in when looking at, um, you know, introducing, uh, uh, you know, whatever the next classes are going to be for for six point oh, because you don't want to have two pet classes but one of them is limited and the other's not and that's that's just gonna make a whole other i don't know i'm glad well i mean assuming that it is a pet management <laughs> right 
Because like, if you look at the abilities that she uses, right? There's, I mean, there's a lot of debuff stuff. There's like creating a thing that then tethers to something and then runs mm. at it. There's the puddles that go down. There's, I mean, like, I don't necessarily know if it would have to be a pet management class. I feel like some of your abilities could just be like, when you think necromancer, you do think of like, I think Guild Wars 2, you summon a whole bunch of dead goopy mm. nastiness and then yeah. you sick it on your enemies, right? Mm. But like, I think they could do it in a way in which your abilities like had a visual that was necromantic, but you weren't necessarily mm -hmm. managing a pet. So um, like a Diablo 2 bone mage. Right. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. so it's one of those things where what was interesting to me about this and why I think a lot of people really have latched onto the idea of this being a new job, right? Is that one, mm. It's the only job in the entire dungeon that is not one that we have in game, right? Like, and these are supposedly warriors of light that have been like brought in from other worlds. Mm -hmm. Even the ink mages, I'm pretty sure that's just them combining scholar and summoner into one title, right? Like your book <laughs> classes, they use the same abilities. I think ink mage would be cool, but you know, it's like, I think it's just a little sort of it's cover. It's the summoner scholar that. revamp we've all been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> but there was that. And then there was also the whole way that they marketed, like all of the promo mm -hmm. images and stuff that we saw for the dungeon weren't on the last boss. It was on pictures of this necromancer. So I think those two things have given this one particular boss a lot more focus than almost any other. But I do agree that I think implementing it would be very difficult, and especially because of what you said, Ethies. And it, it is interesting because then it does make you wonder, I mean, like what we're going to get. We have a snippet about something with Alchemist here, but without FanFest, we don't really know what else is coming. Beastmaster, we have information about from Boja. We can only assume it's a limited job unless they decide to do away with that. But like, you know, it, it's... It is kind of interesting to not know exactly what's going to come up if right now. If they put in Necromancer, my request is to make Arcanist split into Summoner and Necromancer because it would make the most sense. The most sense because they, they would have similar abilities, right? You know, Ink Mages and then Necromancer. Cool, please, just end my suffering at some point. <laughs> Redo call, call, call me call me cynical but i thought there was yeah. so much so much emphasis on the on the necromancer girl because she looks like um one of those people who's running like 500 mods at once yeah it's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean yeah using an, an appealing yeah. and or scantily clad female thing. figure yeah not, yeah that always goes visual, well you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could also have been uh she's the boss that doesn't have anything to do with the like shit, light figures that are brought over so it was a way to avoid a spoiler yeah, yeah maybe yeah, definitely yeah it is interesting though it, it was an interesting little thing there so yeah. i don't know if we'll get it and i mean i think the lore of the world would support it to some extent but i also think that it sure. would have a very different flair from a lot of what we've seen mm -hmm. um i mean uh, yeah i don't know it, it I'm would just be gonna wait to see different shirt and then start wearing it. <laughs> yeah. Watch the shirt from now on. <laughs> I really, I desperately want the beginning of the the 14 hour broadcast that's coming up. I think uh, in February they said. Um, I, so. I just want Yoshida just to come out with a shirt that just says like the name of the job. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't tease it. Just be like, <laughs> just give us just this give, one just guy. Give it to us I mean, straight. I think that yeah, because we're not getting one right now, which is when we normally get the shirt. Yes, he's sitting at home. Yeah. Eating cheetahs wearing that shirt. <laughs> I'm ready. 
Okay, so we were okay. in the dungeon warriors. Full, full metal alchemist yeah. shirt. Is that is that what it's gonna be? A full metal alchemist <laughs> yeah. shirt. Yeah. There we go. Uh, have we made? I thought we did. We made it to the actual warrior of light, right? The fight uh, with because we talked not about quite. Fighting. Not kind of. quite. Not so quite. So we did the dungeon, um, and then we find uh, the exarch and Becklug in Lakeland. Um, Becklug is injured from uh, their encounter with Elidibus at the tower. You learn that Elidibus was using the tower to summon the warriors of light in the dungeon, similar to what the exarch did. Um, and then you go up to the, the tower, um, you encounter some guys along the way and Exarch's like, I will take care of these guys. Um, also like my crystal limbs are like exploding and stuff, but it's fine. You go on ahead. Um, <laughs> and so you go up there and then Elidibus is like, ah, like remember Thordon and stuff. Now I'm the warrior of light. Um, and then you fight Elidibus as the warrior of light. I don't remember if we talked about this on the podcast or if it was someplace else that I, I talked about this, but why did we have to run up the stairs? We are attuned to all of those teleport things. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> We've been That's there. our crystal tower. It knows us. Not anymore. It's not. It's you know, it's it's funny that it that, moved, that but it's ours. Scene, that one cutscene, I had the thought of like, oh my god, have you been walking up the entire like the, the tower this whole time? Like <laughs> Nobody like thought to put an elevator in or wow. Okay. I mean, I think Effie's is right in that control has been handed over, right? I mean, I can only assume like in many other facilities that we. Oh, see, he just turned off the teleporter. He yeah. was like, Ancient minute. Alec, yes. <laughs> I can only assume there are teleports. A little bit is like, I'm gonna make this so they're really tired from walking up thousands. Of steps and yeah, that's that's what my concern is the fact yeah. that a little bit is now in control of the tower, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm not gonna be like dispersing my ether through any. <laughs> Currents anyway. Could you, could you imagine if there was an elevator? You just get in the elevator and Elidibus just like cuts the cable on. It's like pff, problem solved. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I mean, I think from a more narrative parallel standpoint, though, the idea mm. here is that we are taking a last, it's the last adventure with mm. the Exarch, which killed me. I thought that mm -hmm. boy was dead. I was like, oh, you, they're, they're, they're sending red flags left and right die. during all of this. Yeah. I was so scared. <laughs> But, I mean, the idea is that, like, we're coming full circle, Dude. right? Yeah. So, like, from a narrative standpoint, to bring this whole thing home, you start with the 24-man raids. What do you do in those? You run your way up the tower. So in this, it's you and your ally running your way up the tower, fighting your way up to it. I mean, it just makes sense from a dramatic impetus standpoint. I think it also makes sense from a, yeah, you don't want to necessarily teleport around in a thing that's under somebody else's control. Like, but it does give us this really nice just feeling of a journey at least mm -hmm. that you uh, kind of have to go up for this final yeah i mean out, out of all the moments that you have alone with with tia throughout Shadowbringers, a lot of them are like just like you and him like sitting by a rock or something like there's not a lot of like hey we're we're in this together let's go like fight some things and stuff like so it was nice to kind of have both the last moments. and the first journey oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah it was yeah. it was nice to kind of have that that moment and then obviously with with tia right you you see the you know the, the beginning of this patch you you see the toll that the the body split thing is taking on the science and then you're seeing what toll all of this is having on him mm -hmm. um and obviously of course you're meant to think oh this 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 isn't gonna this is this is gonna right. end badly um and it does but also doesn't um which mm -hmm. was an interesting twist that i wasn't expecting um so really? let's let's get it this you fight really? um you fight a little bit as the warrior of light um, in the middle of the fight um, you're captured and kind of put into this 
realm. I forget what they they call it. It's like the the realm where like the Asians would travel between the is that interdimensional what? interdimensional yeah. it's the chill zone yeah it's where they chill out <laughs> it's, it's the the asian break room yeah <laughs> put a fresh yeah. pot of coffee on have a seat enjoy your stay you're gonna be here forever um, <laughs> incidentally it's where graha wanted to go with the tower yes. um to disperse all the light mm-hmm. in Shadowbringers. that's right that's right um so you you get kind of put there. You're in you're in chains. You get to do the the active time event to try and get out of it, and it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. Eventually, um, you use the crystal of Azem, which is your crystal. We find out, right? Um, and then, hey, look at this. Maybe we were the 14th member of the convocation, and then we have this this ancient that kind of shows up. He does his little wave, and we're like, "Hi, Emmett. How's it going, buddy?" And a little bit is <laughs> like, "Whoa, what?" <laughs> what's what's going on um that was i i love when they like it's the cinematic um the the level of like cinematicness or whatever you want to call it that they've been adding into um raids and and trials has been really cool um and even if it you know may draw out the fight for a couple minutes eden right um no hmm. no no i no not that one yeah not that one right like so so that's a little much but like something like this like i think that's really cool that they they added that in and i thought it, yeah, it made sure. the fight but like, you also don't have to watch was... it twenty five hundred thousand times it's true fair oh, it's i mean so... the fight is already so hype with the the music i loved i loved every bit of this fight this moment makes so many problems for us though <laughs> i mean just one like really really big problem when did Emmett do this? Right. Like, we, we understand that he's somehow, you know, implemented a, a kill switch that if Elidimus is left alone, that he's allowed to be, like, released from this, this torment. But Emmett's also told us that he was tempered by Zodiac, and for him to do something that would undermine the grand, you know, Asian plot... Uh, would be presumably impossible while he's tempered. So when did he do this? I mean, did he do this I think, before, like yeah. 12,000 years Def- ago or as he define, was dying? Define the word this. Like when it comes to making the Azem crystal in general, I think he did it when he made all of the others because back, yeah. then, back then it wouldn't have been undermining zodiac it just would have mm-hmm. been like mm, i miss my friend i'm not gonna tell Lydibus about this mm-hmm. you know like kind of like creating the fake amarat like we mm-hmm. learned so much more because we got to go there and that is technically mm-hmm. a threat to zodiac but it's not why he did it mm-hmm. there's also so, uh the whole bit where he seriously considers giving up so maybe like does the tempering slowly wear off I mean, over that, time? That was insincere. That was so <laughs> insincere. Okay. Well, you know, it's, you can actually find out all of this in his book. My time is a shoe bill. <laughs> oh da, my da, god. Yeah. No, I mean, Emmett we'll answer everything. Yeah. Because we sure. do constantly toe this line of what exactly his will is, right? Mm-hmm. Whether he is trying mm-hmm. to help us or hurt us, whether he is tempered in the way that we understand tempering. Or if it's something different, whether or not over time, somehow over generations and generations and generations, I mean, we're getting nuggets now that maybe tempering is a reversible process, but could somebody who was tempered somehow undo the tempering or was, you know, Zodiac's imprisonment something that gave them almost more agency to some degree? I, 
there's a lot of questions we have no idea, I think, about as of yet exactly what happened. But Emmett as a figure, and even in the discussions that we see in the reflections that he summons, right? Is this the will of my maker or my own with Hythlodius? We see this discussion. Mm -hmm. So it's very possible that like, there was some way he worked around this logic because we don't necessarily know if Elidibus being gone will completely negate the plan, right? Mm -hmm. Or completely negate what happens. Um, We also don't know if there was some way that maybe if if Emmett is making these fragments of himself, could one of them have decided to do that? Like, I don't know. It's it's all really interesting. It's very is strange. It, right. Is it a different, uh, even is, is it like a different arrangement when you're one of the people that summons the thing and the thing is like, oh, but also you're mine now. I mean, mm-hmm. we as a warrior of light in theory, I mean, we have avoided the tempering, right? But like, we have also heard Heidelin's voice and we had the crystals and we like, so that's a whole other thing. Like if we are still able to exert some independent will, I mean, and you can all run wild with this, but these are like where my thoughts are at right mm. now, just thinking well, through it. Well, it's just it. not Heidelin's ammo. Like we've never had any suggestion mm-hmm. that Heidelin has tempered anyone at any point. Right. Um, whereas, you know, Emmett makes it pretty explicit throughout Shadowbringers that yes, he was tempered and no, he cannot do anything other than um, move towards the rejoining. Like how he goes about doing so is, you know, up to his discretion, but he's like pulled inextricably in that direction. I, I, I think the path of least resistance here is that yes, he made this Azem crystal at the same time as the other ones were made. Um, and that the power to you know summon the stars to our side to draw companions towards us that's kind of baked into it is something that that we did right that we are summoning a simulacrum of him in the same way that he summons a simulacrum of hythlodius that is not actually hythlodius is not actually made up of hythlodius as soul hythlodius's memories but his ideas concept his memory of it it seems like the the easiest way to get around this is that we're doing the same thing and that shade of Emmett is not Emmett. It's not Emmett's memories. It's right. not Emmett's soul. It's it's us using this magic and summoning an idea of him, a concept of. It's, of it's, him. An, it's an Emmett Eggy. <laughs> I mean, it's using creation <laughs> magic, definitely. You know, so, yeah. it would Chad be. Suggested that uh, Emmett put the kill switch in before Zodiac. They, he knew all these things were being planned. Why not? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, mean, I mean, that's that's possible. We just don't know. Yeah. But but my point is that this this little moment here, this little, like, yeah. cinematic moment that we put in because it looks cool and we want, <laughs> like, to have this um, uh, this this climax, um, it just, it's so heavy. Mm. <laughs> it just yeah. raises well, I mean, so many questions. It's also possible that this functions in a sense like a job stone, maybe, right? So, like, yeah, sure. And mm-hmm. please correct me if I'm wrong, but this mm-hmm. is the lore that I think I know in my head. Um, with job stones, I believe that the creator leaves an obviously an impression of themselves, their experience, yes. their memories, right? Yep. But over time, I believe in some research that I was doing recently. Um, it does become something that is more the actual bearer of the stone, right? That like you in turn leave your, is this totally off? Cause it could be totally on base. Well, you, but- the idea of a job stone is that you, you like pay it forward, right? Is that it goes through the hands of several practitioners and it's like, okay, 
I will develop techniques and I will leave some kind of imprint upon this stone so that the person I hand it to will have an easier time learning those techniques and then they will develop things that they'll imprint on it and so so on and so forth. So like each subsequent sort of wielder of the stone is contributing to that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, pool of, yeah. of knowledge. So there could um, be we're... something like with the creator of the stone, in this particular case being obviously our main man Emmett, where like mm -hmm. there may still be some kind of fragment of him in the creation process that then could maybe be manifested. I mean, he may not have even intended the stone as a kill switch from the start, but then later, mm -hmm. I mean, he doesn't give it to us before he perishes, right? Mm -hmm. But it's given to us in this circuitous way, mm -hmm. almost by accident afterwards, right? So mm -hmm. it could have been some sort of just weird little workaround where he thought, well, if it kind of comes down to this and they decide to use it this way, that's out of my hand. You know what I mean? As opposed to like, mm. I made mm. this with the intention early on of killing So Emmett is also <laughs> metagaming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could I could support kind of both sides of this in a way, because like there are mm. questions that need to be answered and I'm thinking about the writing process and it's just like, well, obviously yeah. we did what we did because it was a big problem solving, tie everything together moment and rule of cool. And when it yes. comes to any like little nuances we need to clean up later, please look forward to it. Mm. And like from the other side of it, if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about like the etherophysics of job stones, it's just a crystal that you cut in a certain way and you wear it close to your skin. And as you do stuff, your kind of memory residue gets left as an imprint on there. And when other people wear it, um, that memory comes forward when you're kind of in the same place that they were, when you have the same mentality and discipline as they do, you're studying the same stuff that they were, you might be able to kind of retrieve those memories from it. Um, when it comes to the crystals that Emmett made, they're more like we took the three of them that remained unsundered. They took all of the memories that they had left and kind of forcefully put them in there. Um, and I think you're right that you can't do that without leaving a little imprint of yourself because memory in terms of this game's epistemology is tied up with the soul. So I think there could be little remnants of, of Emmett as a concept in there. Maybe not Emmett himself, but definitely like Emmett residue. At least his motions. It's, yeah. Well, it's Emmett's memories of, of mm -hmm. us. Right. Like the, the unsundered presumably made their own ones or like that's mm. you know that's kind of first hand we don't even know if they if well, we do know they have them don't we because we pick up um emmett's one yeah. yeah so they would have done their own ones but all the other ones are their memories of these people it's second hand so like fun daniel when we get to fun daniel fun daniel doesn't have an account of the original fun daniel's memories yes. he's got yes. an account of someone else's memories of fun daniel like as many things as they could remember and it's just like you know, this this is the the dude that you're supposed to be. This is what we want you to act like. Yeah. Uh, and it's the same with the the Azim stone, obviously. Yes. Yeah. I won't lie. The first time that this sequence went by, I was like, I am yelling in excitement, but I do not understand how this is all right. breaking down. <laughs> I do think no. I do think the way it's communicated is kind of confusing. And in like the weeks that happened after this, there was so much discussion around this. And obviously there's still more discussion happening, right? Because in the moment I was like, it's me, I'm a Zeb. And then 
he pops up and he waves. And I was like, wait, it was Emmett in there the whole time? And I was like, please don't tell me that Emmett was somehow secretly a Zeb and you're taking this from me. And then I was like, oh, no, 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 no. We go, we good. He just was there. Okay. And then like, it it was a lot of stuff crammed into this one moment, right? And then Mm -hmm. there's also this whole other discussion about like, I mean, if we've now uncovered this, you know, secret magical technique and all this kind of stuff, and, you know, we have Elizabeth saying to us, like, where did you learn this? What is this magic? I've never seen anything like it. I was just like, there's a lot of stuff here that they could, again, talking about, like, cracked open doors, mm-hmm. right? We could use in a lot of different ways for a lot of different purposes. But it was so much so fast in that moment mm-hmm. that I think it did take a little bit for everybody. And obviously people are still, there are some questions from it. Like just what exactly was this and how did it unfold? And I mean, in a narrative sense, it's a really fun high point. um, And we do get to really see that. And we get to reveal that to Elidibus, right? Um, I guess I kind of wished that he is not himself, right? So it's not like he would recognize us anyway. But it is interesting to me, the fact that like, I don't think we really get acknowledged as a Zem by Elidibus in what unfolds later. You know, I mean, to some degree, but because he is so far gone, mm-hmm. it's not like we get a really touching moment with him. But then that later short story that was released, I was like, oh, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this at the time. There were so many threads of the Elidibus stuff that didn't feel tied up nicely and it made it kind mm-hmm. of disappointing. But that, that short story really helped me. I don't know about you guys. Mm. that yeah, short definitely. story was just like yeah he was alpha no yeah. basically yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, and everybody else who thinks we're totally awesome <laughs> i laughed a lot about it because like we managed to in one expansion take the Asians from saturday morning cartoon villains to like an alternate universe high school anime of themselves right <laughs> it is ridiculous it's absolutely like I, I love the short story all the tales in the shadow has been great but that one in particular read like fan fiction mm. <laughs> sure. really yeah. you don't think so i mean Just on one in... hand yes yeah but on the other hand like the idea of humanizing them sure. is i think so important right and that's really what i think fan fiction does right it like mm. it takes i can see why you would say that actually because it does take characters and ideas and concepts and then gives people an ownership in a sense an involvement in the way that they connect to that story and i almost wish that that had been like in the game like that had been an actual sequence that we saw and feel free to just be like no hell no but like to me it was something where when i read that it all clicked and right there was all this discussion and this was our next talking point anyway but about child elidibus right so like after this, when he reverts and we see this small, innocent figure, in a very metaphorical sense, I was like, oh, maybe this is just a demonstration of return to innocence, right? Mm-hmm. That like we have expunged this from them and now yeah. we get to see this pure soul, right? But as we got that story in that context, I was like, oh, wow, this makes this character resound with me much more. Like the idea that maybe if he wasn't a child he was at least still a young person or a younger sort of person that would almost idealize things in these these images right like the Mm. idea of a warrior of light or Mm. like how you latch onto superheroes or somebody who could be the heart of a primal being somebody that could envision those ideals in a way that Mm. i think adults cannot 
because of some of the age and experience. I I liked all of that a lot, and I wish it had been a little more clear to me, I think, in the actual sure. game. Yeah. I honestly, we I started to go the other direction with this. When, when we did get this idea of him being a child, I was like, oh, so the rest of the convocation just went not it. Like, right. we're going to sacrifice half of Amarot, <laughs> and then another half of Amarot, but not me. <laughs> oh, someone has to become the heart of Zodiac. Hey, what about this idealistic young child prodigy? He seems to be down to clown with it. Let's... Uh, <laughs> Let's put him in it. Um, and I felt that was really compelling because we've been spending so much time humanizing the Asians and making mm -hmm. us sympathetic for them. And we have not returned to the idea that in ancient Amarant, they fucked up. Like yeah. they almost definitely messed it up so bad. And they've been doing so much virtue signaling to us since Shadowbringers that we really need to t return to the idea that at some point these guys thought that they were the masters of the universe and they messed up so bad. And that is probably what resulted in the end of their world. Yes, that's what I'm waiting for specifically. Like the whole time they're jamming into your heads. No, we were the best. We were the greatest. We took yeah. care of the world. But then like the world got screwed up and we fixed it. But then it was screwed up yeah. again it's like guys whatever exactly, you yeah. did is probably yeah. what screwed up the world mm -hmm. come on tell me yoshi p what was it tell me coach i mean yeah, that's a need, huge yeah. dilemma that we have going forward though right because if we ever reconcile heidelin and zodiac as entities we have to fundamentally mm -hmm. understand what they are doing currently that is keeping like, did the split just solve all the problems because there wasn't mm -hmm. enough concentrated aether to have creation run rampant? Or does obliterating those two entities, if we ever get to that point, cause a problem that we don't understand yet? Like, there's a lot right. within that that's <laughs> okay. really big. And even that short story, I think, does give us some more of an idea of the dickishness of, oh, of all of them. Like, <laughs> the, oh, yeah, there's an island with innocence. Guess they'll die. Whatever. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like... I do think they were not flawless by any means. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's important when it comes down to this discussion of would we would we even want, if we were given our memories back, would we even want to bring back the ideal world? Like, no. there are some fundamental we're issues. we worried about grapes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the interesting thing that we keep, they, they keep reinforcing, I think, is how damn similar Amarat was to Charlian. Hmm. And that has got to be, has got to be something there. It's got to be I something feel like, to that. You know, with, right. without trying to jump ahead too far, right? You know, talking mm -hmm. about the, the idea of like, oh, hey, we'll take this kid and we'll make him the heart of Zodiac. Uh, kind of draws a parallel with Gunhilder a little bit as well with the, the Shrine mm -hmm. Maiden. Yeah, um, Which is, which is interesting, but. I just, I just, right. It was in my head, and I wanted to say right. it now because I know once we that. get there, I'll completely forget yeah. about it. Um, right. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, Child Elidibus, Um talked a little bit about that. Um, was there anything more we had on on Elidibus before we we move on here? With I know. The, when uh, we were initially talking about uh, the breakdown after we finished that that wonderful patch. Uh, I, I personally missed the whole child hint entirely. And then you guys were telling me about it. And I was like, okay, that, that kind of makes me feel better about this whole thing. And then I, I really appreciated that the story absolutely confirmed it. Mm -hmm. So, mm. uh, yay. I'm I'm glad he was a child because it made sense. But also, what? 
I mean, there's also the entire huge, huge big old question mark, which is the fact that like, and here, please feel free to give me more feedback on this. From what I took away, he got absorbed into the tower, correct? Yeah. That yeah. seemed mm -hmm. to be what happened. Yeah. So like, is part of him still in there? Like, is there, you know what I'm, it's, the fact that he and all those crystals just mysteriously got uploaded to the crystal tower, I was like, <laughs> this seems like, again, another cracked open uh, door. Where, like, it's it's either a please look forward to it or a please don't think too hard about it, and we're not sure which, <laughs> yeah. which one it's going to be yet. Um, joining like the, the ranks of Omega. The two things I feel like we should call attention to, like, one... Um, just the fact that they use the crystal tower like that in the end, like that they're standing on it. Cause like we've been told that it stores energy like that for a long time. So I feel like if they didn't end it in just that way, a month later, I would have had like a, why didn't the Eagles fly the ring to Mordor moment? Yeah. Like, why didn't you just blast him in the face with a tower? Yeah. But so like, I'm glad they did that. That, that works for me. And the other thing I want to call attention to, cause we never give him the attention he's due is Unicall High. Um, mm -hmm. the idea that Unakalhai was a child warrior of child. light. Yeah. yeah. That I think that like for a while we had like, oh, Elidibus can't be too bad. He's got this like little kid and he's mentoring him. And then we realized that he's like lying out his ass to this kid constantly. And this kid has no yeah. idea what's going on. And he's just been totally manipulated and it made Elidibus seem horrible. And now we've got this other side of it. Like, well, maybe he saved him because he reminded him of himself mm -hmm. a little. And there was a little nostalgia going on. So there's like, I thought it was nice to bring back some emotion to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think Unicali is another one that is 100% an open door, unconnected murder thread. Like, you know, there's yeah. there's a lot there. <laughs> and he's even had updated text through all of this, right? We've had, I think even going into Shadowbringers, updated stuff from him, which has been pretty interesting to see with him. Um, I guess the uh, the only other thing that I had with, other than the tower getting uploaded, Child Lidibus, is just that I cried a whole lot. I cried very <laughs> much at this part. Um, I thought the writing was beautiful. I thought those little tidbits that they worked in about it's a beautiful day and you're not here to see it. That right. one stabbed me right in the heart. Stop place. it. Stop. <laughs> and I died. And when we were talking about it on the cast afterwards, I cried again. Yeah. Like, I just, I just again beautiful little notes of character development that are just fragments of lines that get repeated, but that I think resonate with larger universal themes. Um, and it's just so beautiful, and it hurt me very much. <laughs> we'll, we'll try not to go too too much back into that. We don't want to get the waterworks going again for like a third I, time. I really that. like that. Like I'm 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 to the point in my in my life as an old woman where when stuff makes me cry, I'm like, yes, yes, you're real content. Yeah, <laughs> make yeah. me feel emotions. Make that. me cry. I can... I get easily like worked up like that emotionally, right? If like if, if it's gonna happen, just I just let it happen. I'm like, this is good. This is anything that can elicit any type of emotion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so Jeez. this happens, right? Um, we feed a little bit. We see he's a kid, and then he, you know, he's gone. We lock him in the tower, um, and then comes the part that everybody like was hoping wasn't going to happen. Uh, the Exarch kind of crystallizes, and that's it. He's done. Or is and then he? he died. Yeah. Um, so we kind of we kind of wrap that right. The whole you know, Elidibus is done. The tower thing is done. Exarch is done. Okay, time to leave the first. We can. We'll, we've everything's done here. So, um, 
you know, you go around and you do your, your kind of goodbyes to everybody, right? You know, everybody that you've seen during, you know, 5.0 and all your, all your buddies on the first. Um, the one thing I think that really bothered me the most, because you, you basically, you go to a bunch of locations, right, with these characters and kind of participate in these goodbyes, um, except for what I would probably consider the most important one, which is Minfilia with Reen and Thancred. It really surprised me that they didn't give you anything there. Uh, you know, we, we show up and it's like, oh yeah, we just got back, we're done, let's go. I was really hoping that we would have gotten like a real like final mm. kind of goodbye to Minfilia there. Um, That's what a lot of bother to you. Yeah. The one that bothered me was Seto and us channeling Oddbit and being like, well, <laughs> how does that so, work? <laughs> So, so real talk, I legit Such like forgot all of that. Such old and imagined it all. Right. I, I, and I, and I mentioned this earlier, kidding, right? Kidding. I forgot all about Seto. Like we get there, I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, who's monster. this bird? You are like, a monster. Like, yeah, like if we want to talk, if we want to talk about like, like narratively, I think the, the Reen Thancred Minfilia thing, I think they should have had that. Um, emotionally, mm. man, Dulia, Dulia just grab an alpha no man that that was the one that really just got got the waterworks running again. see that one didn't no. that one didn't affect me at all no. like and i even like those characters i mean mm. i think it just goes to show that each of those different little farewell notes i think they hit everybody differently mm. and you know reading social media and stuff afterwards and seeing what everybody was like which one made you cry the most and it was like this fun little game we were all playing you know? <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> I mean, there were some interesting dilemmas brought up with the Seto thing, right? Like the idea of, oh, okay, wait, but hold on. Does a more dominant soul absorb the other? Do we all just exist in here together now? From a more practical storytelling standpoint, this is why I believe that he exists still as a thing. Because we've had an unvoiced protagonist at this point for ages, right? Which has resulted mm. in some really weird stuff and some weird moments where when our character probably should have been given some sort of huge speech or having some sort of major reflection about things, we didn't get the dramatic voice acting. We didn't get the emotional highs and lows. My thought is that they're using him as a vehicle to give a voice to like emotional moments to some degree. Now, whether or not that'll pan out, I have no idea. I mean, it's it's interesting uh, thinking about what happens when you absorb another one of your your shards, you know, what exactly occurs there. Um, but yeah, that was kind of my thought. Mm. So him manifesting to me felt more like an emotional decision as opposed to like, a, I guess, a lore decision. But of course, they'll probably back it up. But <laughs> So for legacy players, where's the dude that they absorbed from uh, The Last Calamity? <laughs> Well, for everyone, really, like that's that's the thing, right? Is is the like why I just oh, it's so frustrating. Obviously, it's rule of cool. It's it's creating yeah. um, a narrative yep. moment, and then it's just like all right, what, whatever you needed to explain it, but it has consequences, and it's so so frustrating trying to like reconcile that with what we know about rejoinings, right? Yeah, yeah. Some of this time it's harder than others. Like the Seto thing, I can look back and say, well, maybe that's like when we saw Isail and Orshva on the bridge or like when we gave Sid his uh, goggles back in that echo. Like we're just seeing a metaphor 
literally mm-hmm. presented. And we get to say to ourselves, yeah, that's just metaphorical. Maybe not take it so literally, but like the um, resolving <laughs> resolving the time travel the way we did. I didn't. I'm. Mm. Oh boy. I could spend a whole episode ranting about how <laughs> next how time that, on either yeah. radio. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a whole episode of me angrily talking about 4D space time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it just I mean it was a nice little thing. I mean, I agree that it did feel a little bit strange the yeah. Nephilia kind of moment, fusion going back to what you were saying. Um, like we talked about in some of the previous casts, I, I figured it was probably just because they'd already spent time in the story sort of showing that farewell. Sure. Um, yeah. And by delaying it, we kind of put off the emotional payment until, you know, finally Reen says something to him herself and he comes over and that dirty son of a bitch does not hug her. And <laughs> I... <laughs> the head pad is fine and it has significance in culture. I get it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not uncommon to see a parental figure head padding. I think we even talked about this in a previous one. We did. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, but I was like, you hug that child, you hug her right now. Um, but I think it was more just like, a, we already spent time on this, so we'll kind of condense it mm-hmm. sort of thing. Sure. I, I'm not sure. We might see more even with the Minfilia legacy in the culmination of the Eden Raids. Right. True. Or at least I want to be in connection. I, I don't be- know. <laughs> <laughs> so I- there might be more there, too. Yeah. I mean, personally, I didn't care about anything other than the Sato moment. Like, that, the Sato was the only moment that got me. Like, the rest, I'm like, this is also cool. I love the storytelling. I love the emotionality. But it wasn't until Seto that it was like, oh, well, now it's affecting me. Right? I was really surprised to be affected by the Lena interaction because she's not Mm -hmm. so much at the forefront. Mm -hmm. But just, I guess the way she was written, you could really tell she cared about the Exarch and everything that was going on. And that hit me. I was really surprised by that. It really speaks to the writing that we can look at these kind of final moments and each one, like we we each have like the one that hit us, but, and they're all different. So that means that each one of these moments had impacts, right? You know, depending on, you know, where your, your priorities or, or focuses may lie narratively, but each one of these moments emotionally worked. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that says a lot about, the, the thought and, and care that they put into making these scenes. I think for sure. Also, I'm going to throw something totally wild out there. No. Could it be that the Ardbert manifestation is similar to what Emmett did, and now that we're more a more complete soul, maybe there's like a reflection of creation magic that Boy. we're sort of showing off. Don't do <laughs> it. You will mess up the world head. again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I mean, just from an emotional standpoint, that good boy deserved to see the other good certainly. boy. They deserve to say goodbye, you know? Like, Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> uh, all right. So moving on. Um, there's the big the big goodbye speech. Um, Thancred gives, gives Reen the head pat. Um, and we go back to the source. We just, we just <laughs> put so all bitter. these... We just put all these crystals in our pocket and we we hop through the the thing and uh and everybody wakes up um one thing that we did have though and now like i was i was all happy about this and now at this talking about like you know things have consequences and i'm like oh shit. um we do Storm have cloud. a crystal that that tia used kind of as a test to be like let's make sure this works um and so we're like yeah let's go plug this this memory card into this body over here in the crystal tower so we run off to the crystal tower um, and now we have Grahatia back. 
on on the source but with the memories from the first Mm -hmm. and now i'm like really now i'm like really worried now no 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 for now in here so many bad things could happen now i i had a real problem with this scene all of those crystals look the same and they weren't labeled yeah i had that thought too I had that exact same thought. I'm like, could you imagine, like, if Alice woke up in, like, Alphano's body? Like, rough. <laughs> what a hilarious hijink. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the filler episode that they didn't give us. I mean, see, I see and it would have been great. They could have been like, okay, we'll just write an A for Alphano, an A for Alice. You accidentally saw. Oh, shit. Oh, dang. <laughs> oh, dang. I mean, I assume their ethereal signature is different. <laughs> that's uh... my guess. That's my, that's my guess. Oh, um, this to the seventh hell with it i'm bringing it up anyway um so if do we it, give if if we give him back his memories now and he mm-hmm. wakes up now we've got this problem where like if he wakes up now he doesn't wake up then and if he doesn't wake up then he doesn't go back in time to the first <laughs> which mutually violates both 40 space time and multiverse branching time mm-hmm. rules so now we've got like this huge thing up in the air so like i thought what was going to happen was he was going to give his memories back to like sleepy graha in the tower and then it'd be revealed that there's a creation paradox in the memories where the eighth never happened but we had to go through this whole thing so that we could like actually prevent it and keep this whole thing on track and now he's just awake and hanging out with us again because god forbid we don't have like a husbando cat boy trust npc (laughs) so my my choice of belief now is that what's going to happen is next year after this game is over he goes back to sleep in the tower to wake up in we'll we'll fix it we'll work it out there you go but yeah this has been wild yeah and you know i felt the same way like you know it's 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 a weird time travel nonsense um and then the the short story with the conclusion of that also made me go i just i what how does that work you know Um, you know when um elitibus like jabs graha with like the darkness thing and he's like oh you're denser than you should be that's my new belief as to why that happened hmm yeah. You know, I, I don't hate that either. Like, I'd be sad to see him go, but I would also kind of like that tie-in. No, no we can't. You're just no, like, ah, point. No, no, I'm Because it's, it's absolutely within here. his character. No, it's absolutely within his character <laughs> to be like... It's not within my character to accept him being dead. So, okay. <laughs> well, he won't, he won't be dead. He just goes, oh, me staying here screws up the timeline to fix what we've already fixed. Gotta go back to sleep, guys. Well, and, and I can totally and, see him doing that. Remember too, right? That this 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 crystal, right? This was the first one. This was the test. What if maybe it doesn't stick forever, and maybe the memories of the from the first kind it's of rejected start to like, a mm-hmm. <laughs> like a spleen. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. It, it's it's exactly like a spleen. Yes, yeah. that's what I was getting <laughs> okay. at. Yeah. No, it's Here's true. the thing. I've got two sides on this. My logical side. Yeah, is that some hot, absolute, timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly nonsense? 110%. 110%. I mean, can we maybe say that there, the, the, the point of divergence in these two timelines maybe is different? So the Graha that we have here is fundamentally different than the one from the other. I don't know, because it really doesn't make sense. And technically, from what we understand and know, when we go back in time, that is the same 
thread, right? But by us returning and coming back with the memories, do we now have a different offshoot? I don't know. I've only basically studied very minimal time stuff. So <laughs> I have no idea. So there's that. On the logical side, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Alexander, as far as I know, also I had some moments where I was like, wait, hold on a minute. But it did seem like maybe it hung together. To, th yeah. to throw it back so, just so a little bit more than that. So 6.0 is just going to be another version of the first where we split well, the time. I don't know, but to, to throw it back just a little bit further than that, we've also been thrown forward into the future five years before. Yeah, Time doesn't make sense here. Mm -hmm. So time well, as a construct is a thing that exists that I do think we have problems with and that ever undertaking any kind of time-related plot always carries with it. So there's that on one hand logic. On the other hand, there is my emotion. And what my emotion says is that I want this boy to be happy. I want this boy to go on adventures. I want this boy who sacrificed so much to live a good life. So, <laughs> I think when we're looking at things like this, you have to acknowledge both because as a player, you need things to make sense, but you also need to feel things from what you are playing, right? So for me, I always try to acknowledge both of them in any discussion because my feelings are just as valid as I believe a lot of times the actual basis and foundations of the world. So for me, I think that Graha as a character did resonate with so many people, myself included. Was I super relieved that he wasn't dead? Yes. Am I willing to make some exceptions because of that? Yes. Do I think they could take him from me? Would I cry? Yes. <laughs> All of these are yes. I mean, ultimately, you... time travel's not a thing we can do or no actual real rules for at this point in time, so they can do whatever they want. The, the question yep, that, that I have, and, and when we went yeah. to originally plan this episode, and I, I want to say it was Anonymous that brought up this point, uh, what does this do with the time bubble? Pop. <laughs> because we definitely you know before it's like oh all this stuff can kind of happen whenever whatever but now we have this point where like the scions are very much like pre and post the first right i i think the only option they have now is to standardize this idea that whatever patch it was released that's what's well that's what patch patch it happened so everything in 2.0 happened in 2.0. Everything in 2.1 happened in 2.1. Wherever it's released, that's where it happened. And everything else is you get to shove as much time between the events as makes sense to you. You have a blank check for it. Um, the only real, like, the only tangible hink I have in the logic right now is that, um, like, Graha's hero is standing right in the middle of Revenant's toll, and we haven't bothered to tell him. Like Noah's standing right there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's right there. <laughs> we haven't been like, hey, you want to go meet that person you named our crew after? Hmm. Yeah. Um, I would love for that to come we, back. Yeah. We actually got like a little bit of, like you say, a blank check in in five point two five with the first chapter of Boja, where we had, I, I think it was Marzak saying. The Bajian incident was 20 years ago, and then Barshalshin saying it was 15 years ago. And I might be getting that backwards, but one of them says it was 20, one of them said it was 15. Um, one of them has I, a whole bunch of lore errors in his his speech, oh, and oh, yeah. I'm oh, not yeah. even trying to I'm not even trying to figure it out right now. Oh yeah, um, but I I think like the feeling that I got from that was like, hey. It's unclear. Some people are saying it's about 15. Some people say say it's about 20. We're somewhere in that window. How long have you been playing the game? How like it's up it's up to you. You know, this is like collaborative storytelling. That's what the medium is about. 
um i don't know you I told me up, 15 years down. it wasn't 20 years yeah exactly yeah, how long have 17, you been here 17 yeah. and a third years Right. Mm-hmm. 15 or 20 depending yeah. on if you went through a time gate from an old guy yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah uh okay so um you come back graha's back um ali says she has to go back to her old costume uh she, she's got her stormblood garb back on uh because because uh tatru hasn't had the time to make her remake her uh her shadowbringers outfit um this is this part of this cut seems like what really sold me on Ali's A, where she's just she puts her head like on the table and she's just like moping about like the change of clothes and stuff um and then you have the guy that's like oh there's like griffins that are running wild and Ali says like the first one to like jump up and just full anime smile on her face she's like, i'm gonna go deal with right this. off the balcony. Loved, it. loved it i you know as a, a personal note anytime like you can see in the animation the the actor or the the motion captor and the animators because you can't you know you can't do some of this stuff in real life when you can see mm-hmm. all of it at once i always love it working in the medium i i like that cutscene. Mm-hmm. i was like there we go there they've been working on that mocap volume like i know it, i see it like it's yeah. just great to see the, the characterization was so good in this in this last cutscene with the scions i mean mm-hmm. you know you you have Thancred, you know, getting ready to leave, and and Yshtola tosses in the charged cartridges because Reen's not around anymore to give them to him. Um, I just, yeah, I loved everything about this. And then we get back to Xenos, and we get back to Asahi, who is being is there, yeah. <laughs> so we have we have Xenos, he's he's chilling on the throne, and then we have Van, Van Daniel, which is our next kind of Asian uh, protagonist, who's using Asahi's body. Um, Xenos, you know, obviously, like Asahi's talking about, oh, the last of the Unsundered are gone now, and he's just kind of his crazy old, like, he's still Asahi, but like, hate him. Asian. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I've, I've talked about this a lot already, so I'll try not to go too, too much into it again. Going, going from um, that huge portion of story where we had villains that were likable to being reminded mm-hmm. that we have these just absolutely hateable trash people that we're gonna have to deal with in a second was so like, oh man. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like so you fun. had this, this great thing of Shadowbringers, and then they're like, hey, remember Stormblood? And you're like, I prefer not to. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, okay, here's the thing. All right, we talked about we've talked about this a little bit. We have obviously Xenos is not my most compelling villain. I don't think he is. Were the Asians also the most compelling villains at first? No. So do I do I believe that there is good potential with him? Yes. And for me, a lot of that I think comes from his final scene of Stormblood, which to me had some of the most hints about shenanigans and is oftentimes completely overlooked. <laughs> Because, you know, you spend all the rest of the game just dealing with him in this kind of, like, one-on-one combat thing. And then you get this little speech with him at the end about, like, the power of the Echo to control primals. The concept that, like, an entity or a person Mm -hmm. with the Echo could possibly manifest a primal in a way that did not actually make them bent to their will. Which, with Bojo, we will have some more discussion about, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Um, which also comes back to Isale, the idea of was she actually really corrupted? Was she really a monster because she manifested Shiva? Like, there's a lot of interesting things in this um, that I have for a long time been really curious about. And Zeno's had some moments where he talks about these things, as well as his own kind of feeling of, obviously he was brought up as a weapon, 
He was never really, you know, like that is what he believes to be the end all be all of his world. So to him, finding another powerful weapon is like his pinnacle. All right, fine. Um, Fan Daniel, aka Fanny Pack, as I call him, I hate. I don't like. <laughs> I don't care for him. And it was funny because in my video, I did like a video of this, and when he appeared, I was like, "Who is this? What is this?" And everybody answered very seriously in the you know comments, like, "Well, that would be Fan Daniel, who is one of the." And I was like, "No." I asked, who is this? Why is this? Because I'm here, like, where did this boy come from? I hate him. Right. <laughs> you know? And it's interesting because, like, we now have a new chapter, but I'm curious to see with these two what pushes it forward, right? Because we have two components that are pre-existing components from other content. The Asian struggle to some degree still continuing, but now with a new twist. Xenos, oh my god, please just die already. Doesn't even have a thick butt anymore for us to admire. Like, please just get out. <laughs> like, so what is going to push these two forward? And I'm curious mm -hmm. to hear what all of you think will be their sort of, from what we've seen, what we might have, be their driving momentum or what brings something different to the table here for us with them. Actually, wow. to completely, uh, a point I completely forgot from a previous show, uh, while at that, that end, I was like, oh, yeah, it's you. Great. Blech. The fact that Xenos was sitting there, like, quietly, like, not being all grandiose and weird, kind of like Fan Daniel, but, you know, just kind of thinking, kind of kind of outside of his normal personality that we see. It, was, it, it hairs on the back of my neck stood up just a little bit. So <laughs> I, I am a, I am a little hopeful. And yeah, and, and seeing seeing how they've turned things around for characters before and made them more legitimate, less terrible, uh, I, am, I am still hopeful. He's learned a lot. He didn't, like, in Stormblood, he didn't know about other shards. You know, he was just searching for some kind of meaning, some kind of purpose, uh, uh, like, you know, some something, some some substance to his life. And now he's got he's got us and he's got this hyper fixation on on us. Uh, he knows about the shards. He knows about Amarod. He knows he's he's suddenly got access to all this privileged information. So I, I look, I agree that Xenos and Fan Daniel are not the most compelling villains as we've seen them so far but i'm so so excited for the precedent that um the asians used to be unpredictable chaotic mysterious mm -hmm. and they have become banal you know they've become so predictable and humanized uh to the point where they're, they're no longer like scary you know, they're mm -hmm. no longer scary and frightening and chaotic. And this idea that suddenly, well, with the Unsundered gone, I have these powers. Yeah. I can do whatever the hell I want. I can do anything. So we've got Fan Daniel, you know, being like this and perhaps not being particularly interesting, but we've almost definitely got other Askins out there in the same position that are not bound to the will of the Unsundered anymore and can presumably do whatever the hell they want with this power yeah. and with this knowledge. They can be any kind of antagonist. They can be they can say you know i i hated that guy a little bit are you kidding me like i was basically a slave for thousands of years hey what's going on sounds let me let me hang out with you guys let me what are you up to and then right. guys comes along like is that an Asian? i need to kill that guy i go whoa hang on no no Asian. you don't no no guys you don't understand this one's cool like things have changed i don't know there's we let so you join potential. he gets to join too I... yeah <laughs> so so not only do we have xenos being this incredibly unpredictable chaotic character um, whom we do not know how powerful he is. We know that he's 
undergone like at least one you know like resonant sort of forced rejoining but for all we know he could be like more ethereally dense than any of the Asians, you know he could have a, a higher sort of power limit than than emmett Sell did and we know like he's got this idea in his head of wanting to do to zodiac what he did to shinryu and we know now that tempering is like this this arm wrestle between the two entities, right? That like, yeah, most people that have the Echo are not overpowered by the Primal. But then you look at like Reen and us fighting Reen and her taking on like so much ether and becoming that sort of Heidelin form where she started to lose control because she was being overpowered at that point. We look at the Asians, you know, being super, super powerful, but still not as powerful as Zodiac being overpowered by Zodiac. And it's like, okay, Xenos is going to try to do the same thing. We would think intuitively he's going to lose and that, of course, Zodiac is more powerful than Xenos. Of course, Zodiac would overpower Xenos. But who knows? Maybe yeah. Xenos has more midi-chlorians than everybody else. <laughs> that's just the thing, right? Into... We just do not know. We but, don't know. He's he's chaotic. He's unpredictable, and now so are the remaining Asians. And that's that's compelling. That's that's like I don't know about you guys, but there there have been Asian. too many patches lately where we've been able to predict what's going to happen, like beat by beat. I had a mm. I had a bet with Mike and Sly about Grahatir, the fate of Grahatir. I don't remember who said. I I think. I think Mike was saying he's going to live. Sly was saying he's going to die. And I was saying no. He's going to do both. Yeah, both. He's going to die, and then his memory is <laughs> going to end up in his old body. His old body is going to wake up. I'm sick of being able to do that. I'm so sick of it being so predictable. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I I know Fusion earlier was like, I didn't know what was going to happen. And, and the two of us were like, really? Because I felt like they heavily hinted, like, oh, he's dead. But then mm -hmm. also this memory thing we've been creating for patches and patches and patches now, like, we're just going to stick that in the other one that is purely available to you on the source. Yeah, mm -hmm. the Asian thing to me is the biggest unstringed thing on our mur murder board. Now, yep. they are completely untethered to anything. How many of them were on the first, right? Because we got that little bit where they're talking yeah. about helping to fight things on the first, and oh, it was so easy. How many of them did you leave behind? They're completely untethered everywhere on every shard that they were- God, we're bad at cleaning up. Mm -hmm. that is so big there's so much they can do with that and i love it like i don't like fan daniel xenos yeah we'll see but the idea that they're bringing us an Asian that is completely untethered just makes me think about all the other ones i didn't think of it at all and you guys talking about it kind of makes me excited not gonna lie i mean i do I love the idea oh. oh all i was gonna say that, like i love the idea of an ally Asian. that's it mm. i just think that's a good one at these yeah I felt like through this whole segment, I was having like a live negotiation with the dev team because um, it's like so much of what I thought and what I didn't, what I wanted, what I don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I guess in terms of predictability, yeah, we were able to predict a lot and we knew that blood and memory were going to have a lot to do with it. And the fact that I got as far as we would bring old dead Graha's memories back to young sleeping Graha and that it didn't actually solve the time travel thing but made it worse that blew my mind but like we did we were able to telegraph a lot of it so now i end up in this scene with xenos and fan daniel and i'm thinking like all right for the last few patches what have i been seeing i've been seeing xenos as a wild card he hasn't been particularly interesting since he came back 
So he hasn't earned that place yet in my mind. Like his death was great. He was exactly what Stormblood needed. We went through that story. That was great. But why is he back? Why is that worth it? Um, he clearly wants to do the Shinryu thing with the Zodiac, like Ethos was saying. And all of a sudden, this uh, this NPC who's clearly like Asahi in a cloak is back. And I'm like, no, 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 no. He's got to stay dead. And then this cutscene comes along, and it's actually Fan Daniel. And I'm, I've been joking for a long time that one of the Asians should just be like super extra, kind of a doofus, and I want it to be Fan Danny because his name is so funny. So seeing, <laughs> seeing this... Seeing this was like, yes, I got my derpy fan Daniel. This is gonna be amazing. And so you did this. <laughs> so I didn't I didn't have to deal with Asahi being alive, and I'm sure Fan Daniel thinks he's got a plan. And I'm sure that Xenos is gonna mess with that plan. So like I I feel like I'm in a live negotiation. I'm seeing some stuff I don't like, I'm seeing some stuff I do like. But I'm less optimistic about like the open doors everyone else, I think because we know that the Asians were tempered, right? So until I have some reason not to think so, I can't see Fan Daniel as anything more than the next Nabriales, just some totally crazy dude who thinks mm. he's going to sit at Zodiac's right hand, that he thinks he's going to walk Xenos right into the chrysalis and be the catalyst for Zodiac's return and be his new Biffle. And that's like, I just need something to take that suspicion off the board so I can be more open-minded like you guys. So him saying like, oh, now I I could do whatever I want is more like I can do this however I want. Yes. That's where I'm leaning. Yeah. Like yeah. when when Nabriales went rogue and he was yeah. just like, yeah, well, I can do this my way. I'll bring about the next rejoining. Yeah. I'll be Zodiac's nest best friend. That's what totally. I'm seeing from Fan Daniel is that I have been living under this stupid plan for so long. And I know what's really going to make Zodiac happy. Mm. I know what's really, you know, I'm going to bring the darkness. I'm going to destroy all this stuff. Like, I think he's got a plan to be his next best the, friend. I think yeah. for, for me, the dynamic with Xenos and Fan Daniel, it feels like at like one of the live action batman movies with the villain team ups like it's like the the mr freeze and poison ivy or like the two face to like to, to like jim carrey's riddler like 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 xenos is is two face and fan daniel is the riddler where he's just got like yeah like woo whatever and like xenos is like i'm trying to like work here man like i don't know it's I think I'll be curious to see that what, what how that dynamic evolves going forward. I would, I would love, and this is purely speculation, but I would love for the Unsundered going away to create kind of a dual civil war. There's a civil war in Garlemald, but then there's the civil war of all the Asians who are like, we're free. Now we're sure. all going to do it our way. And now there's mm. factions every, like, that would be amazing. I don't know if we're going that way. The texture of that is completely different than the story. It would keep Zodiac around for longer. So I don't know, but I would love that. Just the idea of that is so interesting. Surprise me, Yoshi P. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just curious to see how they end up embodying Fan Daniel. Because to be fair, I had very similar feelings when Emmett first made an appearance. And they kind of at the time also gave him that same kind of like dramatic flamboyance, I guess you could say that sort of- Oh, I hated Emmett at the end of Stormblood. I mean, and it, it works for him because we do find out, and one of my favorite things is in his little short story, The Little Snippet of the Tempest, like the play mm -hmm. by Shakespeare. Um, incredibly fitting, and him kind of envisioning himself as a Prospero of sorts. I love that. I'm a theater kid. I love it. I eat that up for breakfast. So for me, I guess it felt a little bit like Fan Daniel felt almost like a repeat of that kind of characterization trait for me versus something like Milk Drinker. Like... <laughs> 
whose name I don't even remember, and I'm going to be real, but I had such a visceral reaction to his physicalization and the way that they embodied him as a villain that was like really unique to a lot of the other villains that I've seen so far in the series. The stupid milk thing, the weird how he has kids attending him, like that was super upsetting. Like there's all these, the sweat, the weird, like- I mean, I'd be, I'd be willing to bet Gaius had kids doing that for him too. Yeah, it could be. No. Olivia, you know, Olivia was- Olivia, oh gosh. His adopted children are real Adopted children, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it wouldn't be, you know, there's a whole other thing that I'm sure we could look into. And I mean, even going back to, like, some of the Roman culture. Yeah, let's say it's very Roman. Civilization. Um, but, mm. but all of that said, I'm curious to see how they continue to develop him. Because, to me, I guess from that one thing, like everybody's saying, we didn't really get a read of what exactly is going on with him other than chaos as a force. Which is not a terrible thing. But I would like to see... I don't just something that makes him really distinctive and i'm sure we'll get that as we keep going um and that goes for both of them something that really makes them feel solidified in my mind as what kind of villain we are going to be dealing with as opposed to more of like a generalized yeah. we need we need to just get I a think, little um, bit more of a look on their murder their murder board right because right now xenos is just like i want to fight the warrior of light okay well what i want to fight the warrior of that that's like his thing he's like very one note and then at the same time you also have fandana who's just like chaos it's like okay, so like, what? How are you gonna chaos? chaos? Like, you We're know, for, to... for all we know, Fan Daniel turns out to be Ledger's Joker. Like, who knows? <laughs> like, what's gonna happen, right? Well, I think I, that's I... actually a pretty good characterization of of what we have possibly in the future. It, if you think about it, the two of them are almost a reflection of um, shoot, the other emperor whose name completely escapes me right now, um, Father Dude. And um, Emmett Sell. Yeah, Varys. Thank you. Varys and Emmett. Like, hmm. same positions almost, okay. right? And then, then you get this this mirror of the two of them. Suddenly, Xenos is, is quiet and, and thinking about stuff. Kind of like Papa. And then you have the Asian who has a similar intent. Chaos, chaos. But uh, Emmett's like, I'm so charming in chaos. And this guy's like, I'm a nutcase in chaos. Yeah, it does. And also, I'm rich. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh god siren in chicago hold it <laughs> yeah i i hadn't thought about that kind of like parallel before but that is that is a very interesting mm. uh point yeah i do really like um i think anonymous did you put the list here of all of the of all of the asians we we know of so far yeah yeah Oh, but before we before we get out? to that though there there's okay, there's right, one go. more one more bullet point right before that i do want to make sure we point. touch on um, they talk about getting ready for the last tale of this star. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ethis, you have, do you have thoughts on that? <laughs> uh, people have just been, people have been jumping on that way too hard. Being like, oh, last expansion. Oh, no. Yoshida is moving to Final Fantasy 16. It's all, it's all over. There's, there was a lot of that. Um, a lot of also just people thinking that this is like self-evidently us moving on to another world or something in um you know 7.0 um this is grahatir speaking and he's just being dramatic he's just being extra you know like yes it's it's alluding to 
the whole idea of us wrapping up the Heidelin Zodiac Garleans, the grand narrative arc of the last, you know, 10 years. Um, but uh, I think we have to be really careful about digging much further into it than that. It's the, because uh, if we take the... it literal, I think it's just. Yeah. It's the final so... fantasy, right? It's, it's the final battle <laughs> in the way that final fantasy was the last one. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe it's his last tale. Yeah. No, no. Oh, he's the star. Right. <laughs> yeah, oh. there we go. Well, see, and he knows that this is the last tale because because the the version of him has already experienced this before he went back into the crystal tower for the sleep. So about this list of Asians. <laughs> in in terms of talking about the star, like, are, nobody's gonna bring up Vana. Mm -hmm. Like, we haven't brought up Vana in a while, so I feel like that's gonna be the part that we have to deal with in the main story. Is we're gonna come back to that identity of the crystals. Um, mm. As far as the list of Asians, I don't actually remember why that's here. I think it was just like to check in. But like it's it's a good thing to bring up in terms of give the writers time. Mm -hmm. Because they they do end up cleaning things up very neatly. But if we look at what Asians are on and off the board and which ones have been represented, the math is a mess right now. So we just we really gotta give them time. Um so like in at the end of 2.0 we saw there were 14 Asians, all had black robes, and it looked like there was one for each world. And then in 2.1, Elidibus shows up. So now we've got a white robe dude. And then in 2.3, we see the white robe dude standing with the 14 black robed ones. So now there's 15 people in the room, right? But then we find out, you know, Emmett Selk is supposed to be sleeping, and Emma Roloff might have been dead by then. And then we get to Shadowbringers, and we find out that there shouldn't have been 14 black robed dudes in the first place because the zem never came back at all so yeah just give them time <laughs> yeah. there are too many people in that 2.3 cutscene by bar yeah mm. I mean, it's a good thing to to say as well because yeah it feels like that there's that note of finality the last you know story of the star there's so much we have no idea and they have to kind of backfit just like what you're saying you know like yeah when people were freaking out about it it's like why? Why would you? You know there's that this game is going to go. It's just eleven still going on that murder board. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> even 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 if in six it's all cleaned up. No more Asians. No more Heidelin. No more Zardiac. We've got so many places we haven't gone. You know, we could still go to the new world. We could still go. Like eleven didn't end with the um with the end of that main story with the Zealart. Like we've got our Otter gone to come if we want it. If there's time for it. If there's space for it. We've got everything we need. Yeah, people always panic about the end of an MMO. And as somebody who plays a lot of different MMOs, I see this over and over and over in every single community. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, there's always this panic or like, oh, this expansion is going to be the one that kills it or nobody's playing the game anymore. It's dead. And you're like, they have higher numbers than ever. What are you looking at? Like, Well, then, and then so you're 11 where it's like, okay, this is going to be it. And then like years later, like, crap, people are still playing this. Let's like, add some more story. I mean, you My usually... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry. No, my, my advice is if you ever feel anxiety that we're starting to run out of content, just submit into that little suggestion box in the game. Tell Square Enix that you want to hear the story of the presence of Silver Tear Lake. <laughs> it's like a whole that's a whole expansion right there. I just, I just want to know, know what I just <laughs> yeah. want to know what that final boss is. 
at There's some point it can be it can be when they finally shut 14 down i just want to know what that final boss was going to be because every time we hear about it we don't know what it was just that it was so awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so many possibilities. And when an MMO is dying, you know it is dying. Like, usually teams are very upfront about, like, the process of your know, decline in an MMO or things like that. You usually can tell. Um, all of this said, no, I don't think any of that holds weight. This is not the end. We're at a peak in this game. It's getting more attention than ever, so on and so forth. Um, one of the things that I had a question about, though, uh, Anonymous, off of this list that you have... Um, so Anonymous here for anybody who can't see, because obviously you don't have access to our document. Uh, Anonymous has written out all of the different, um, all of the different Asians that we know of so far. And I believe, if I'm wrong, correct me, that this list comes from twelve, correct? Because they draw the names originally. Yeah. Like tactic, tactics, and twelve. There's a little bit of like an overlap between mm -hmm. the two because like, like in twelve voice. they were attached. Yeah. In twelve, the Scions of Darkness, which were the same names that we had from like the whole uh, the Lukavi storyline, were attached to these Scions of Light as their supposed counterparts. So yeah, twelve of the names come from twelve. Do we think that there is anything? Well, one, there are a few that we're just missing, right? So I'm not sure. Is that just because right. they don't line up? Like there's just too many or we just don't know those other ones yet? We haven't met some of them. Um, Pashtarat and Ultima came up for one cutscene. They delivered a line. Dudalifon we've never seen at all or heard from or heard about. Uh, and Fan Daniel just showed up. Okay. I'm curious if we've seen this continuing kind of collaboration with the 12 and Tactics creator with Boja, right? And it is right. interesting that we have like so much that's happening there. Um, a lot of which is kind of has some big repercussions, honestly, which I was surprised about for this like side content. And then we also have this tie with 12. I mean, do you think there's anything more that they could draw from those 12 or tactics sort of aspects? I Definitely. But in like, especially with the rate that they've been trying to get Asians off the board, like they just, they've been trying to kill them. They, you know, they got two on Gaius's belt. They were just like, oh yeah, I remember Mitron. Turns out Logriff was with him. Like they're trying to get rid of him. <laughs> so I think, I think they could kill one off in Eden if they claim that that's Gaia's fairy. I think they could kill one off in the Ivalice storyline just for shiggles. Like they could do whatever they wanted. It'd be cool. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I'm curious to see how they keep kind of drawing on that or if we'll see more of that 12 influence. I mean, I think 14's always been really good with keeping a balance between nostalgia nods, like even the Warrior of Lights design, right? Like in the battle, in the fight, like those nostalgia nods, but then also really giving them a strong place in the world itself of 14. It's, so it's that I, theme I don't park think... aspect, right? You mm. want to include stuff from everything, but you have to do it in a way that makes sense. Um, it's a small world you know, Crystal, Crystal Tower, mm -hmm. right? They wove that in beautifully. Uh, Return to Ivalice was amazing. Yorha. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's that's what it is. They're going to bring elements from, from everything. I mean, even looking you know, ahead a little bit at 16, you can see the elements of previous Final Fantasy games just in that one trailer that they've put out. Um, and I think Yoshida is really good about, um, you know, delivering that final fantasy experience right what people expect from the game what we've seen from the series before um and so yeah i think absolutely if they if there's you know another opportunity for for more elite stuff and i mean we're gonna get it in boja with uh with gabranth and, and everything going on over there we already had it a little bit with the uh just the names of the the Asians, um and the you know i guess kind of the espers which 
because it's weird, right? Because they're related kind of, right? In that Ivalice in lore, like you have the, the, the masks, right? Are kind of the symbols for the, the various espers, but then also like, you, you know, we get those Ivalice raids and you have the espers, but there's not really any yeah. connection to the Asian from that. So that's kind of odd. Um, mm. But yeah, definitely, you know, whenever they can throw in some series lore, I think they'll, they'll definitely do that. Um, so at the at the end, um, before we have a couple more little bits before we get into Boja, um, what is up with that shoe bill? What are what are do we do we have any funny. any like proof or any concrete things or is it just like I don't know? It's a shoe bill. It might be Emmett. It who knows? Any, and anything? silence descends. <laughs> no. I thought it's it was Emmett Selk, and then it wasn't. Allegedly. Yeah. Okay. It seems like the the people in charge of putting together in rooms were just like, hey, wouldn't this be funny? Just describe them put a, a little bit. Here. Yeah. It's yeah, the same person that made the, the Chocobo in the 16 trailer. And now everybody's like, oh my God, the Chocobo is in itself. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You guys know about Shabbat, right? Yeah, yeah. Good old, good I was old waiting. Shardbert. I was waiting. Yeah, that's my, no, that's my was... favorite uh, flavor of ice cream, Shardbert. <laughs> um, I was gonna plug that video at some point whenever I could. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, um, the last kind of like hmm, question mark theory type thing. So, that gear that Tataru made for us, no, uh, no, no, <laughs> no, yeah. Ethis has this look of like, why do I agree to come on these shows? It's a button. It's a button. It's just. Uh, it, mm. I, I mean, love this reaction. This button. Of a no. bit of a teaser, though, right? I mean, yeah, look, obviously, when they put this bit of gear in the game, they'd already worked out 5.0, probably through to 5.3. They knew that, that you know, Asian Amarot, all of that, 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 that was all done. And they gave us gear that looked kind of reminiscent, right? Evocative of that style, right? Reading any more into that, looking at like a button on the shoulder and being like, symbol of Asim. No, no, no. When they, when they put the symbols of, of, anyone on gear it is really obvious you look at the the knocked lorican and you see like the massive like symbol of Ralgar on its butt it's stuff like i just this is you're reading in too much the people I that mean, are, are jumping or, on that or one. or we're not and tatru is actually uh Dudalifon. yeah that's it that's yeah <laughs> don't don't you remember when when all the art was released and everybody was positive that the exarch's cane had zodiac on it like this is just people right. see yeah. people see what they want to see and every now and then they're right and every that's now fair. and then they're not but that's fair yeah i mean i definitely think that it is like you were saying a nod to what was to come i think it is mm -hmm. you know likely something i mean at that point we don't even know if they totally had a concept of every draft of what every aesthetic or everything was going to look like right so i mean when this gear got conceptualized like, I mean, they definitely knew what was coming up, but they likely just gave it to a designer and they were like, do something kind of like this. You know what, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So sure. I I can see, like, I've seen people do the overlay of the mask on this symbol. And I'm like, I can, I guess, sort of 
fantasy kind of but it is not so specific and it doesn't fully fit that like i don't know if you can say 110 percent that that is a thing i think it was likely Mm -hmm. just something like you were saying that's evocative the only thing that's direct is the name and started name the gear (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. um all right uh another thing on here moose put a, a an angry face (laughs) um that's all the feedback you get for this one how dare you how dare you write that bullet point (laughs) the the audacity of this man why did thornton see as them you're on a timeout mister (laughs) (laughs) i just love Uh, the response too listen we okay this this is one of those places where the threads are showing yoshida said hey everyone chill out about that scene it is a common trope in anime let me explain it to you it's a japanese theater thing he's like like it's a it's a theatrical device then when they worked out all this stuff about azem they were like oh cool people really like grabbed onto that moment let's give them that let's mirror it let's have uh, Elidibus mirroring the line i mean Elidibus says it right he says what what are you when we hmm. you know come back yeah um Thornton didn't see Azem. I will t- I will take that to my grave. Okay. <laughs> see, and it, it's as much as it's as much as of me like maybe missing something, as much as it is like just because we know everything doesn't mean we shouldn't talk mm-hmm. about it, right? right? Because there's other people that are gonna have these questions. To refresh oh, for, sure. clear up for anybody and for my own memory. Is it mm-hmm. just that Thornton says something like, Where does your what how are you so powerful? What are you? We, yeah, he what's... sings us as like a silhouette, and it's all like dun dun, and he's like, "What are you?" And everyone's okay. like, "Oh shit, we're a primal." Remember that? Remember that oh, one, guys? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what's What's going on there is they're using that famous trope from mm-hmm. you know anime and theater to show yeah. you from Thornton's point of view because yes. Thornton is so righteously convinced that he's right that he can't see you as anything other than evil. So he's looking at you and he's looking at that he lost this righteous justified war is over before it's even begun and he's just wondering what are you? And so they made this great moment and a great trope out of it. But yeah, again, like we come back to all these happy accidents that happen along the way in the lore and it's just like it looks great. Like we should tie them together in world, but if we tie them together out of world, I'm never going to get it off the fandom wiki, and I can't support that. <laughs> it's that, yeah, it's I mean, that DBZ I'll... moment of Vegeta just going, "It can't be." Like that's that's what it is. Yeah, yeah exactly. That is what it is. It's and, over and nine thousand. It can't be. That's impossible. The thing is, not not only is it was it like you know fairly clear and obvious at the time, it's what it is. But Yoshida did come out and say that. Okay. Like he did confirm that and did basically say to everyone, hey, like dial dial back a little bit on this moment. You guys are reading way too much into it. But the thing is people took that, people found him saying that and were like, oh, see, he was just messing with us. Right. Like he He's did. like, you can't throw us off. We know that it actually does yeah. mean something. Yeah, we, we, we know that you had this plan eight years ahead. I'm <laughs> me because there are other things that speak much more loudly to me about like connections or connecting mm-hmm. lines than that. Maybe because I do watch a lot of anime and things like that. That line didn't even like. Oh, people were obsessed with it. People oh, have been obsessed really? with that for years and years. Yeah, I ever mean, since. 
it's just one of those things where I think whenever anybody encounters a power beyond their comprehension, questioning it is not bizarre to me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think anonymous, you said it perfectly. Like there, there is such a trope with this idea of like the, you know, the big shadow or things like that, right? Like an opponent that cannot be overcome the opening image of star uh star wars with the huge ship and the cut you know what i mean like mm -hmm. there, there's always this feeling of like a presence that's so large that it can't mm -hmm. be overcome so like yes being as them does that give us more power does that give us i mean in some way i think you know the echo and all these other things that do make us incomprehensible in some sense sure but is that them being like this was a zem i'm like no if the man didn't say wait a zem then like you know <laughs> It's just, I just like I, just, I love on here and even before the show, like the amount of Star Wars references that we keep making today is great. <laughs> I love it. Listen, new Mandalorian episode came out yesterday. Yeah. We all got it on the brain. Baby, what are you doing? All right. Um, so I think um, did we want to? Did we? Was there anything uh, that we wanted to discuss in regards to uh, the weapon stuff? Turn Cliff. Um, was there was there anything interesting uh, of of note from from those that we got either, you know, just just kind of like geographical or, or anything like that? I mean, it was the first time in English that we like precisely describes the heart of Sabik as an orosite. Mm. Mm, um, that's right. Mm. We've had we've had that in the Japanese localization since two point um but uh yeah sid came out and said like oh yeah so we're, like we basically worked out that the heart of sabik is is an aura site and that these synthetic aura site are behaving in a similar way and they're you know based upon it um i think the the main giveaway from sorry the main takeaway from this chapter is that we're like filling out a lot of the a lot of the like galleon war stuff that we were promised for Shadowbringers, we're filling out between Wallet and Boja. Like between those two, we've covered like a huge amount of Southern Ilzabad already. Yeah. Um, and uh I think that's interesting. Uh learning about the fact that Sapphire Weapon had absorbed a primal from um uh the Dorvis Narrow, which is the the straight between um Thavnir and the mainland is kind of interesting as well. Um, I'm still really not like at all interested in the orphans, um, but the stuff <laughs> about Vordalin, I love. Finally, we've got like an interesting Duskwhite in the MSQ for the first time, mm -hmm. and learning about you know the the, the Duskwhites fighting against the Empire as they started to push into the fringes and tying into like Black Rose and learning you know how guys survived and how they're connected and all that that was that was really cool um but uh yeah i don't know if we got like a huge uh, i mean other than valens being kind of interesting and creepy yeah milk cows exist yeah cows confirmed that's after <laughs> after that scene I caught a question on Twitter and it had been so long since I put anything in my master sheet of things to ask if we get another interview that I actually moved it over. It's like based on this scene, someone put, can you please tell me the distribution and popularity of the domestic cow on Heidelin? Because <laughs> okay. now cow I, I cows remember. are confirmed. I remember years ago how excited we were about bears. <laughs> right? Now we have cows. Hell yeah, cows. I love it. I do. Now we just need peaches. Yeah, peaches. We never got our peaches. <laughs> There we go. New world. New world. That's a new world uh, fruit. 
Yeah. I do know a lot of Death White players that were... Okay, <laughs> I know that the sentence that I've said sounds very contradictory. In that there being many Dusk White players does not sound like it's truth. But hey. I know it's, hey. <laughs> I know a small collection of hey. Dusk wow. White players. I'm sorry, Ethies. <laughs> I have to be real. So I also RP. I, I love endgame content, rating, all that sort of stuff, but I also RP. And I have a friend who loves Dusk White and has been waiting for this and plays a Dusk White and is part of a Dusk White server. And when they joined it, um, I was like, so how big is it? And they went, oh, it's very small. And I was like, oh, no. And they were like, and it is the Discord for the entire Dusk White community in Final Fantasy XIV NA. And I was like, oh, geez. But, I mean, a lot of that, I think, has just been because they're, the Dusk White have just been a huge question mark. Like, we know they exist. Yeah, they're the That's least fire. represented yeah. sub-race yeah, in the whole game so far. It's wild. There's like a whole underground culture of them and we know nothing about it. So I was really mm -hmm. excited to see a Dusk White personally in here and like get a little tidbit more about their culture. Hopefully we'll get some more. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I think for, for me personally, like when we got to Turncliff, like you see you see it right in this kind of like little trial thing you do. You're like, oh, look, it's the cliff from Kalusia. <laughs> right. And then they're like, oh, also uh, now you're in Turncliff and you're like, oh, shit. Well played. Like, that was awesome. I love that. I mean, the, you know, the, how we got, like, Gongos, right? It's like, here's this new little area. It gives you just, mm -hmm. just a little peek and stuff. And then they throw you in Turncliff. I'm like, this, I love that. I think that's so awesome because, you know, as, as much as we complain about, like, Zelfatol being, like, one dungeon, right? Or Alamigo being one dungeon, um, we are still getting it's, to experience these other parts It's funny what happens world. when they take out a dungeon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get the actual zone. Yeah. Yeah. I also just like the sort of Mediterranean influence. Like that's right. something we haven't necessarily oh, yeah. seen as kind yeah. of like a, an architectural or artistic touch in Final Fantasy mm -hmm. 14. And um and I really love that. I mean, I I hope, I don't know what we'll see, but it'd be great if we actually got to get more of that in some kind of future zone. Um mm -hmm. When when I first walked into Turncliff, the first thought I had was this place is suspiciously big and suspiciously fleshed out, and a lot of these assets are suspiciously new. And it looked yeah. like there were mm -hmm. a lot of places that you could go off the screen that they just blocked off. So in yeah. my head, I'm thinking like, yep. is this a future zone? Is this a future zone? But then I'm remembering, like you said, we didn't have you know like a dungeon eating up assets, and we've had a lot of places that we were sad we couldn't go before. And yes, I'm adamant that all of Migo got robbed. It should be the city yes. hub of the. <laughs> The Eorzea 2 expansion, where we see the presence oh. of Silver Tier Lake, it should be the hub. <laughs> it, 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 they got robbed, but I won't That's dwell nice. on that too long. But yeah, I, I would be, I would love a whole city of Turncliff. That place looks beautiful. Mm -hmm. That would be. Of course, my first thought was housing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Bait and switch, like yeah, you know, this was just for a little story, but no, it wasn't. It's actually on the map of the new expansion. You know, it's just a little bit yeah. of an offshoot. That, so, that so, so, so the good news is that Turncliff does have housing. The bad news is there's only uh, <laughs> one house per server. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My God. All right, uh, let's get to Boja here. Yeah. Um, finally, wrap up the, the five point three stuff. Oh boy. Um, so obviously for right coming into this, we're like Boja, like finally going to get into some Boja stuff. Um, uh, so let's see, uh, Moose wrote some, it's very cynical point. Somebody wrote this. 
yeah who, who wrote this, this that was me here? that was me sorry <laughs> i assumed but so yeah i'm just gonna say this like this pervades all bogia content um mm -hmm. everything we were told about like the legion that that's in control of it and now what's going on there on this whole lead up was like yeah things are different there you know under the fourth they've got like lots of foreigners and magic users and they use like not only magitech but like they have beast tamers and all this other kind of stuff and i'm like wow that's so different like i wonder why i wonder why that is what's the deep lore behind it what's the implication of it and then i like zoned into the southern front and i was like oh right they needed some variety for the map and the battle content whoops <laughs> It can so, be both. It, it can, can be both. Be both. It can be both. But it, it definitely felt like the former was in the driver's seat. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, look, okay. I have to talk about the retcons here before we get much mm, deeper yeah. into Boja. Okay. In 5.25, we had Alamut Castle, Alamut, uh, which is a reference to the birthplace of the Hashashins. Uh, in Iran, which was a, a political movement. Uh, it's the root of the word assassin. Um, there's a lot of like stuff in Assassin's Creed about about them and about some um, Alamut. Uh, and then in 5.35, it's retconned to Alermak, Alermak, which is the name of a uh, antihistamine in Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a bit of a difference there. Okay. Yeah, I don't love it. I don't love it because I was really excited about the Alamut reference about the fact that they had, they'd made it look very much like the way Alamut is mm -hmm. described, like in these old stories and being this, this castle, like up on a cliff and impenetrable with one little like winding path up towards mm -hmm. it that can be, you know, defended by one like single, you know, able-bodied, uh, warrior, um, there was a lot of like neo Arabic uh, influence. Like, like, Bodge is really interesting in that it's this confluence between like neo Arabic and then Slavic uh, influence, um, which is like super fascinating and not a mix that they've really had quite anywhere else in the game so far. Um, so that was a little frustrating to me. And then we had this Assassin Rem thing, right? Um, that we were told that Menenius Rem was the second in command. And we were like, well, that doesn't make much sense. I guess it's got to be, you know, part of Noah, you know, splitting with the empire and having this, uh, you know, non-traditional command structure and all that. Uh, and then we learned, oh, no, he was promoted and Leon was demoted, but you still have some NPCs that call one sass or one rem and keep like getting it backwards and it's like okay well i guess our intel is not very good maybe missia is like really good at like counterintelligence it's just you in a way well you know it, they were just so used to to calling them one way you know it's like right after yeah. i got married you know how how long it took mm -hmm. me to, to get my wife in my head instead of like my fiance or my girlfriend like you know it just it happens yeah fine that's that's like, true sorry go on I mean, do you remember when everybody had to call The Rock Dwayne Johnson? <laughs> we're like, no, we're not doing that, The Rock. I mean, Wait, so should we call him Menenius Sass Ram Lanatus? Totally. <laughs> yes. To hyphenate. We'll yeah. just choose where we put the quotation marks, you know? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Rem I... Sass. Yeah. 
I think that is definitely an explanation that can be offered. Mm-hmm. It is interesting to not, I guess, see anybody conscious of it, which would mm-hmm. which would be, I think, the tip off for me, right? Like if somebody was like, so and so, Ram, blah, oh wait, hold up, or you know, like so and so, oh yeah. wait, hold up. Then I think mm-hmm. it would it would speak to me as more of like a very conscious thing. I don't think you, you know, I think you can absolutely say that it is that, like it is mm-hmm. people just forgetting. But in a sense, to communicate to players, it is confusing. Right, um, yeah. sure. It does make this moment where you're like, if you've done any research into them, which you may or may not have. But I mean, even in the lore books, we have a categorized, like, you know, representation of this. So yeah. it is a little strange to see this Wibbly issue with it. Like, uh, it does make me wonder if it was just something that just kind of got missed in, yeah. you know, the initial writing of the dialogue yeah. or... Mm-hmm. Um, if, I, I'm if it wasn't for the element thing, I'd I'd like be happy to let it slide. I'd be like, oh, okay, like we got bad intel or whatever. Right. But the fact that you've got that element alamuk thing is like, I can see the threads here. This is something that like almost never happens in fourteen, and I'm not like super comfortable with it. And it seems to be Matsuno, and it's Matsuno's writing style and the way that Matsuno like does his world building as compared to you know, Oda and Koji and yeah. Ishikawa and the rest of the, the writing crew. Um, uh, it's like in in most of Final Fantasy XIV, we're told like, uh, you know, 1,235 years ago. And then we go to Ivelisse and it's like hundreds of years, a long time, uh, maybe like a couple of thousand, but also maybe like, you know maybe you know a long just a long time ago right don't worry about it and that's more like Matsuno's style right and Boja is them sort of like kind of clashing a little bit I think in a way I do wonder if there could have been any problems with like maybe they put Alamut into the game and I don't know if they got some sort of feedback or something like oh Ultimately, you can't use that yeah I, I mean we don't, I don't think there's been anything said about that right? right but I agree with you in that like if you're using this cool inspiration like yeah keep it in um you know the only other thing that would come to mind for me would be something like uh you know maybe on the map it is written this way but locals pronounce it a different way but again without there being any kind yeah. of oh, they retcon dialogue though they, they oh they really they like retcon dialogue yeah, yeah. Oh. That's that's something I would either I would either put it on a master list of questions for interviews or mm-hmm. I would like literally take it to the lore localization forum and be like I know mm-hmm. you hate recon so I just want to know the story. That's that like, like that would have been like an issue. I don't know if it was like a cultural or you know something. Yeah, like the, that's my first. Yeah. That's what I was too. thinking. That was my suspicion, right? That it's that mm-hmm. it's something to do with uh, you know cultural sensitivity or cultural appropriation. Um, but they've never shied away from this before, right? Right, they they are quite happy to name places after you know real world places. Yeah. They've done this plenty mm-hmm. of times, um, with no 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 issues whatsoever. So maybe they're trying to be sensitive. Maybe they're trying to be cautious about that. And the intention was to uh, kind of like muddy the Alamut reference a little bit in the English localization. But yeah, it, it like I really I need an answer for this. It really irks me. <laughs> it really really hooks me i mean i don't blame you i remember us uh talking about that on the episode that we talked about and how cool it was right yeah, exactly yeah. i'm also a, a huge fan of the kind of well the deep lore of assassin's creed and the historical mm-hmm. references so i remember mm-hmm. us speaking out about that and yeah you know i i saw it and i was like well i guess they couldn't have done it but then it just left my mind and i was like yeah i guess they just didn't do it but 
I wasn't paying attention to everything else, right? <laughs> yeah. We have a question in chat. Uh, isn't the Japanese version still called Alamut? I think it's um, Kano is the same. Hmm. Okay. Um, right. They may not have even had to change that. Yes. I, as far as I know, it's just the English localization. Hmm. But I'm not. Uh, I'm not certain. Yeah, that is. That does seem like a weird thing to change. You know what I mean? Like out of everything else, that one little note and yeah. then direct contact from everything, it really seems like there was some kind of bigger behind yeah. the scenes thing. We just don't know. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, yeah, I, I do like the kind of influence in this region. I mean, obviously with what we have of Boja, we don't necessarily get to see a thriving city because it's a war zone, you know? But I mean, even in when you get into like the Citadel and stuff, I do really like um, like a lot of the, sorry, did I say, uh, what am I trying to say? Citadel, was that right? Castrum, the Castrum. Yes. Um, when you get into the Castrum, like, I do really like some of what we've seen there with, like, the hybrid of the architecture and then the mm -hmm. Garlean influence. Thinking mm -hmm. about Alamigo Anonymous, right. this was something that we have been on about. Like, the, like, where is the... Why is it just... Doesn't even look like Garleans were here. There's no tile work or anything. It's just brown. It just... There's two sections you can go to. Like, Alamigo <laughs> felt like such a weird gap in like mm. this kind of rich vibrant world where like the bones of it are there but the actual kind of like touches of the culture and history and existence that's the big part the culture mm. like we didn't see the other side of the culture i thought when we got to all amigo we were gonna see how the rich people live and what their art is like and what their like their shops are like and how they teach things and like that we'd see more than just the refugees that have been cast out and the you know distant architecture and you know like it's it's always in the subtle details the way you build a lamppost the way people dress the food that you eat and we didn't see any of it so yeah i got the same vibe yeah and it's frustrating but i felt like in in castrum in what we've seen of glimpses of boja it feels i mean even in the memory trip that we mm -hmm. took you know it feels like there is a more realized kind of architecture and culture there that i can see and i can see mm -hmm. how the garleans integrated in um and sort of like repurposed it which i personally just really enjoyed um, I don't know how much more of that we'll get, and I'm curious to see what they do with like further installments because if everything is very much like a war zone and so much of this land has been completely annihilated, you know, um, we're just getting kind of tidbits of lore through characters that might have been there or through this history with the queen. So, well, speaking of I... tidbits of lore, <laughs> yeah, Look, I, I don't think we should assume that we're going to be in Bolivia for the next part. Mm. We're told. You know, at the end of it, Boagi shows up and he's like, hey, here's what's going on in, in these war zones in Dalmasca and in Nagsha right now that mm -hmm. are places that perhaps you'd like to spend some time in before we push on to Garlemalds. I would go I would back absolutely there for spell, maybe? expect this to all culminate in Dalmasca with, with Gabron. It has to. Yeah, it's got yeah. to lead towards Valnay in one way or another. Yeah. yeah, we got there were a few a few names that were dropped. We got Valnate. Like we could go one way towards Ilzabard, right? So we've got mm. one place over there that fell. Why am I uh, Nabradia and like those references from twelve? But then on the other mm. side of it, we've got where Gabranth retreated to, like the um, I think it was the Leaman side of things. I don't really remember. Uh, He's in Valnate closely, He's... but. Yeah. So yeah, Val yeah, we've got Valnane and we've got a pathway in that direction where we could fight mm -hmm. instead and then Tartarus is still in the wind. So mm -hmm. we've got a lot of great mm -hmm. ideas. Mm -hmm. Well, they've said like 
we're done with Bajra. Like what what they've done, where the story culminated, um, you know, having saved the queen, having all of the the queen's blades um, tempered. So let's let's actually that talk was, about that because we yeah, haven't I think gotten we've, into that at all yet. <laughs> I think we've seen all the parts of Boja that didn't get like Terra flared, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true. There yeah. wasn't there wasn't <laughs> much there. <laughs> um, so with the the, the plot uh, for Operation Eagle's Nest. Um, essentially, you are working to recharge that crystal focus that you got. You use that to dump into Sid's memories and uh, fight uh, Varys if, if you saw fit. Um, and so uh, by to do this, they're hoping to tap into currents of ether um, that are kind of underneath the, the territory here in Boja and the southern front. And they're hoping that it'll kind of point to like a reservoir of sorts that will help to charge this crystal focus. Um, Missija uh, leaves to run an errand. It's convenient. Uh, and then we find out she's a traitor. She's, she's not with us. She's she's with them. Um, and uh, we see that the Garleans, uh, along with Menenius, um, they have the Save the Queen blade, which is the sword of, of Queen Gunhilder. So it's like, oh, okay. What's, what's, what's going to happen here? Um, we find out that, uh, you know, in the, like, the next cutscene, She's a traitor. She kidnaps Makoto. We trace the, the crystal focus energy. They're in the castrum. Um, we find out that, of course, Save the Queen is an Allegan relic because why wouldn't it be? Um, <laughs> Eureka weapon. Like the, the, the note just says Eureka. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I just need, I want it like a big framed picture of that like cube primal so I could point at it like, I'm done with this dude. <laughs> Like it is screwed with too much of my lore. Uh, oh, I'm just man. sad that we finally were blessed with a beautiful femru again. That's not Merle Veeb. That I was like, oh yeah, bring her in, bring her in here for a big hug. I'm gonna add her. Moonbreeda V2, let's go. Oh no, yeah, no, she's a bad person. She real mean too. I was like, maybe it'll be like gray area. No, she a real dick. <laughs> she has reasons. She yeah. has reasons, but she big jerk. Like, yeah. damn. And we can. I mean, I think we can tell pretty clear. My guess, at least, right off of this, is that which we will talk about more here in a second. That this embodiment of you know, uh, Gunhilder and or her embodying the primal is going to be our next secret trial thing that we're kind of getting. Like, that's what I'm guessing. So I don't think that she's going to have a change of heart and then become a good guy. I think we're probably going to kill her. So. This is my sad story. <laughs> Just need a few more peppers. She she is a really compelling villain for a couple of reasons. Uh, I mean, Mazak and Bashaljan are like, hey, let's restore pre-imperial Boja. And yeah. she's like, pre-imperial Boja sucks. That was it was <laughs> terrible. Yeah. It was awful. It sucked. Um, and she's bought into the Novan Gabranth cult of personality and the fact that noah has like demonstrably you know at least as far as most people are concerned improve the lives of most people in the provinces unlike most of the galian autocrats um not being a pure blood galian himself he's very kind of sympathetic to the plight of the other races and you know treats them better than than most um and uh 
you know, is obviously incredibly charismatic um, because, you know, all of these entries, all of these log entries from everyone in the fourth legion, they, they, they do really, you know, like he's this messianic figure and she's, uh, she's bought into that. So there's that. And then there's also the fact that she is a descendant of this lowly shrine maiden um, whom the, the original Queen Gunhilda had this responsibility with Save the Queen to, you know, sacrifice herself to become this primal if it was required, right? And the fourth Umbral Calamity rolled in and everyone was going to die and she said, not it, not me. We're going to get one of the Shrine Maidens to do it. Mm -hmm. And the Shrine Maiden turned out to have the Echo and didn't lose herself to the primal and became something like Yazale, where she could control it. Uh, so the people that put her in that position originally, the Queen's Blades, were like, okay, she's not going to be a malleable puppet. She didn't die when she was supposed to die. We're going to go and kill her. Um, again. <laughs> again, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the thing that bothers me, though, is that this is a... We talk about Nidhogg, right? Not being able to let go of this thousand-year-old beef. And, you know, like, yes, okay, dragons live a long time and all that, but, you know, it's thousands of years and you're punishing the answers of their ancestors of their ancestors of their ancestors of their ancestors, let it go. This is a mortal Roganin holding onto a beef that is 5,000 years old. <laughs> in in real-world events, this would, this would be like, hey, Gilgamesh killed... <laughs> <laughs> you know this this dude that had barely learned how to use like wooden tools yeah. that turns out that i was i'm descended from i mean i'm it, angry about that i agree <laughs> i feel like some of her reactions didn't totally make sense but i will say this i i do think that if you are somebody who has been disempowered for your mm. entire life right and sure. then you find out that like at one point, like your ancestor who did something that nobody thought anybody else could do um, mm -hmm. was literally the ruler of this place that has like beat you down and subjugated you and that you could have had that. You know what I mean? You're like, mm -hmm. if they had not betrayed her and killed her, like they made her do something nobody else would do. And then they punished her for it when she did it right and actually mm -hmm. accepted the responsibility of the kingdom. And mm -hmm. like, I can see how, even if she is not living that vendetta per se, the imagery of that vendetta paired with her own personal experiences would give her something to latch onto for yeah. empowering herself, right? So like, oh. I can see it, I can see it. And I do think you're right in that she's like really well-written. With Nidhogg, it's interesting because like, totally different thing, but like with Dragon's perception of time, like that's something that you can also get into and or what it means to kill a dragon, right? Like mm -hmm. there's a lot of interesting cultural stuff about the dragons that once again, I'd love to see explored more in the future with Maricidia. Thank you, Square Enix. Um, but, <laughs> but like, it, it is weird to have an old feud be something that like triggers something like this. But I do think that it may not even be the feud itself for her, right? It might be something more that has given her a parallel it's a or vindication for her. Yeah. It's an excuse it, for, for right. her actions. For sure. Yeah. To this, is part of, this is part of what I would want to call attention to is that when it comes to like other people taking up other people's beefs, it's usually about what does it bring to your life? Because mm -hmm. in the end, like 
Isail was not Shiva. Isail was not connected to Shiva, but she interpreted it and built this story around Shiva instead. I yeah. must have, I must have skipped a cutscene or something somewhere because I did not get the tidbit that uh, what's her face Misija was uh, related to the Shrine Maiden. Um, I did notice that they look the same. Right. She certainly <laughs> believes that she is. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Either way, uh, when I when we got to the part where we actually see the Shrine Maiden, I was like, oh, oh this is so suspicious. They look the mm -hmm. same. What does this mean? And I, <laughs> just right. just knowing that that detail had already been fed, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, it is so... that's high. Um, Sorry, also... I lagged out there. Oh, oh no, you're, you're good. good. Which also raises the question. I mean. As far as we know, Messia herself does not have the echo, correct? I mean, she's almost certainly got it now. They, now yeah, they gave him. us a shot. They gave yeah. us a shot of a resonatorium. She's like, mm -hmm. I've kidnapped you. Yeah. You're going to, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that does make sense. I mean, so her wielding the primal in a different way might be something mm -hmm. interesting yeah. for us to see. I mean, there may be some sort of reconciliation. I have been really curious about hearing that, like, getting this bit of a flip around with like Noah as maybe not being a, an actually awful person who's ruling right. over everyone. I mean, that's something that's interesting too for this region. Um, I was just super, like super psyched to actually see it written in the game that not everybody who can like channel a primal gets consumed by it. Because <laughs> even with the stuff with Xenos, like there were still so many people when I'd be like, well, you know, like I think that people can do this. And I think that a sale wasn't necessarily tempered, but everybody's like, if you're a primal, you're tempered. If you're, and I was just like, I think there's something more going on here, <laughs> and it makes sense if you look at things like Quetzalcoatl. It seems like the art of summoning, or even Hades, was something that could have been used to channel power in a way beyond what we, you know, are capable of now, um, yeah. without vast amounts mm -hmm. of ether or worship, yeah. right? So it was cool to see that for me personally. I don't know if it had any weird lore contradictions, which you can no, happily take away. <laughs> no, not really. I mean, we've been told for a while, it's been implied for a while that the echo is the key um, to this. It's like you can get people to summon primals um, and they will be, you know, bound to their will subsequently. Um, or you can get someone with the echo to do it or to become the primal and they can maintain some semblance of themselves. It's become clear in Shadowbringers that it's not such a binary thing, that it's about this test of will. Um, that, like, yeah, Xenos had the Echo, was dense to an extent where he could overpower Shinryu, but, you know, the Asians, for all of their power, Zodiac was, you know, on another level entirely, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it seems, we don't know for sure, but it seems that Missia has been given the resonant and that she is using that, uh, you know, willpower buff to be able to bind, uh, save the queen, this, this primal to her well. I um, think Sukuyomi was supposed on, to be the, I think Sukuyomi was the thing that was supposed to give us the nope. big hint about it. We almost mm. had him for a second. <laughs> Am I gone again? For a moment. Um, the other interesting thing about Save the Queen is if you I go and talk to Mikoto here. after You're the here. fact. We can hear you. We can hear oh. you fine. Try again. What? Everything's You're fine. You can hear Okay. Yeah. Wait, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Oh. Oh. 
Sorry. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Um, uh, check, check in your settings. Sometimes when people flash in and out of camera, it, it turns off their camera or their sound. Like, look at his little window in Discord. Mm. Oh, chat says they can hear. I can. Yeah, That's he's weird. coming through on stream. Fine, I can. I got him. <laughs> Moose, why'd you go incognito? Well, he doesn't. Okay, now I can hear you. Now I got you. Sorry. Okay, everything. Wait, I'm back. I'm back. Okay. So what I was saying was, it, I'll, I'll I'll recap for your benefit. I I think Sukiyomi was supposed to be our hint there, um, that she didn't have the echo, and we saw her kind of be consumed mm. by her own vengeance when she sidejacked the Kojin relic. So I think she was supposed to be our touchstone of like, look, we get it. We know the scenario team makes us change the lore about primals mm. every five minutes, but this is how we're going to like bring it all together. <laughs> <laughs> right. So so do you agree that Miss Ira has the resonant at this point? I have no idea. <laughs> Right. The, I'm the, glad we the, could so clear the interesting that thing about this this deiform entity of Save the Queen. Again, I even hesitate to call it a primal at this point. Mm -hmm. Um Yeah. Let's go with icon or deiform entity, you know, one of the broader terms perhaps. Um if you talk to Mikoto afterwards, it's not like it's not like an anima weapon where the queen's soul, Gunhilda's soul, has been absorbed by the blade. It's that a imprint of her memory has been made upon the blade and that that has been sufficient enough to give it some semblance of uh of sentience right and that, that is, yeah Odin. yeah yeah and that that memory can be manipulated in the same way that you know using the crystal focus to manipulate sid's memory to manipulate you know people's memories after the fourth calamity to sort of you know heal their minds or whatever it's it's more like that so she might just be doing that rather than you know this echo you know willpower kind of thing um the one that i found really interesting is the triple triad card for a drama lake says this entity is bound to the will of albaleo so even if missia doesn't have the resonant they have been messing around with resonant stuff and mm -hmm. albaleo did have it and did use it to control a drama lake um which is very interesting so at this point at this point i would say you're probably more knowledgeable on this arc of both than i am i have been like very overwhelmed with rl stuff i've got a list of stuff that i want to look at in multiple languages but in terms of asking me if i think you're right on this i'm just gonna say yes for now <laughs> like, you're closer than i am but give me, if i if i come back through the other languages and come out the mm -hmm. other side with it like a more clear interpretation i'll let you know I have um I've cross-referenced the the card and I'm in the process of cross-referencing all of the uh the the logs that we have with the other localizations at the moment. Um but it seems that they they do have a resonatorium. They are doing resonant stuff. It seems that they've done it to at least Albaleo. They probably yeah. have done it to Missia, almost certainly done it to Missia. And we can it up for probably yeah, and we can probably start to wonder now whether they haven't done it to other people, whether they haven't done it to Noah, whether Noah's cult of personality, his incredible charisma and, you know, influence over these people under him isn't something a little bit more nefarious than him just being, you know, a cool dude and a good leader. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, we know there's some kind of experimentation going on. Like you see, you just see all the effects of it, you know, around and with some of the optional dialogue. Um, yeah. What exactly they're trying to aim at doing? It it does seem different than um, I mean, just some of the general like, well, we'll just give everybody the echo and uh, we'll just you know just use that for stuff and power and things like you kind of see in like Garlemald or with. I mean, even some of their weird, more like hybrid genetic experiments or things like that that they've done. Mm. Um, but yeah, what exactly those goals are for experiments in this region is fascinating. And I mean, I think we might get even some more of that with, uh, oh, hold up, Fireboy, Black Mage Man. Son of a. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we like there's there's various things that we've seen like hinted at throughout there of people having like abilities or strange things about them that right don't seem like they're mm -hmm. completely in place. You know what I mean? Or like Some in of those no. NPCs um... on our side, you're like, hold up, NPCs, let me make it to the fate. <laughs> I think everybody out there is just crazy strong. Yeah, they're no joke. <laughs> yeah, Sadawa is dead though. He he dead. But it seemed like, and if I'm remembering wrong, please tell me. But mm -hmm. it seemed like he had. These little snippets of dialogue that were like referring to him like there's one line that i'm thinking of in particular that was something like about the primals or channel like it's like a pseudo channel but not what it is but like what you do sort of walk mm -hmm. like there, there's a line about something mm. with that and that caught my attention where i went like wait hold up <laughs> what are you talking about i mean because we do have the sort of elemental familiar right. things that are in these zones mm. but um, I was curious, like, what that meant, and I think that could maybe support a bit of what you were saying, that it's, like, a summon but not a summon, or it's it's something that's untraditional in the way that there might be a primal but not a primal, or, like, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. And if the will of the the blade itself was, I mean, I don't, again, this is just wild speculation right. we're taking on at this point, but the idea of, like, a primal being tied to someone's will is also kind of interesting, like, can more than one person control some kind of imprint of a primal? Like, would it be the kind of thing where part of that, like, you know, um, shrine maiden queen that's in there, her will is somehow intrinsically tied to whatever power might lay in there or the primal that she was once like bonded to? Um, I, I, I don't know. It's it, it raises a lot of interesting questions right. about what they decide to do with it. It could be a Thornton situation where because of the resonance that they have experimented with they have uh, uplifted some of these people that have these abilities that are like well how can you do that could be kind of like the knights of the round around thordon it could be mm -hmm. who knows yeah i don't know it's interesting yeah <laughs> well aside from that we've learned a lot about boja we've learned a fair bit about landis a fair mm -hmm. bit more about dalmasca there is, uh, there's so, so much text here. Like, it's just so damn dense. It took me quite a while to... Well, and and on top of all of that, too, you have the, the, the new collection uh, stuff. Yeah. Oh, too, with right. Just, so right. Shoving information and, into Yeah, that's what face. I mean. Yeah. 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 There's I'm, so much of that. I'm at the point where I'm just going to wait for the third set, like the, the last of all of the, the info dumps. Marathon. And I'll be like, okay, mm -hmm. there's the stuff that I can skip because it was explained later on. Right. <laughs> you know, go, go on, speaking That's of those, those, little, like, those little snippets of, of information you can pick up, um, <laughs> mm. random ass question. What is, is the average lifespan of a Garland longer than like normal 
like a normal human lifespan do we do we have that? not that no, we not that we know of okay yeah, so lion's just like really good for his age then because he <laughs> he is lion oh lion yeah, okay. is 68 mm. <laughs> i just i was going through those and i was like damn oh. okay. i'll say I god but it's probably at least that old <laughs> yeah when i had uh, a sore teacher a lot, a lot many moons ago he was 60 and yeah. he looked like a 40 year old dude um being yeah. being active in certain martial stuff really does help you oh yeah, yeah i'm sure yeah. yeah and um just as you no know, my, my my dad's a iron man he does like over 50s mm -hmm. iron man competitions and wins mm -hmm. them most of the time it's kind of like ranjeet you know? and he's in his 60s yeah. as well <laughs> so, yeah. yeah there you go and there's also the factor that even if they're like their lifespan or life expectancy is is not skewed the same way that their their genetics they believe are superior so right. i mean there's probably a whole mosaic of factors in there that make it normal in a way we shouldn't like question the deep lore of it too bad <laughs> oh, but right. like yeah I, not yeah Galian. leon's it's not, not unrealistic he's a hero he's he's a non-galian hero i mean he's not a highlander he uses a highlander model he's not like specifically you know right. He's from Landis. He's a Landis. Hero. Okay. Lander. Same. He's just a Lander. <laughs> yeah, he's a Lander. He's he's the same peoples as Noah and Noah's father and the other heroes from Landis. So we're right. we're better off comparing him to like the old monks. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. I do like that we have been getting some additional like lore bits. I mean, for all that we have side-eyed the near raids. Um, I do like that there are some optional, like, you can go through and collect some things. Sure. I have enjoyed that, like, here in Boja, it's like, hey, while you're running this a million times, you can also get something that will fill in some more lore about the characters that you might be fighting <laughs> or encountering. This stuff is actually good and interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, I, I like that relevant. they are... Yeah, that they're exploring that more, right? I mean, and even in past dungeons and things, we've seen those little, like, you know, here's a little tidbit that you can read. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it's tough when people are blasting through a dungeon. Very few people are usually patient with, you know, letting you sort of nab it. Screenshot run. Yeah. Okay. With stuff like the new, um, you know, essentially screenshot mode for dungeons. I mean, I think that does open up the possibilities of them being able to work in more, like, tangible written lore. Yeah. We were talking about this with our like initial run though, when you unlock that and you're like, I don't even know where to find it. Right. What? <laughs> and you're like looking through your tabs trying to figure out where it even went. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, as they kind of do more of this, hopefully, uh, I think it'll be nice to actually see it written. And yeah. like people will get more familiar with, you know, what's there. I think it's it's especially in, in regards to the, the Boja stuff, it's kind of that, you know, there's always been that 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 hopeful thought of the in-game library, right? <laughs> Saying this we don't yeah. have that technically, but yeah. here it kind of is for this, yeah. you know, little bit of content. Just so just to nice. enshrine it, I want to enshrine it in our podcast history here, like in case this is relevant one day. I think y'all are being too hard on Yorha. Like, yeah? I do, because like, that's like as someone who's been playing Yokotaro games for a really long time, I'm familiar with that he takes his time setting up kind of the introductions and the craziness. I got to ending a uh, like I all right, near one wrecked me. I was an emotional mess at the end of that game. And when I got to ending a in automata, I was like, 
I'm not sure I care about any of these people. Like, I don't even know what's going on. But by ending E, I was a crying mess again. So, like, <laughs> let's see where it goes in the end. Because he might just still be in the build-up crazy phase. I don't know. I do agree with you. His pacing does tend towards that, right? And I think I'll, I've been- I'll judge it. Uh, I'll judge it after three. <laughs> I've, I've been I've been willing to give it some time. It's I think the biggest. I mean, this is not really this conversation. So maybe we just save this for another day. Uh, I think it has just been a little bit strange for players to figure out what to expect from it and kind of the setting that's been combined with it. But um, in regards to like Boja, even though we've had some more, I think weird lore retcons or stuff like that. I do feel like the overall experience of the delivery of kind of like the story and the things you're fighting and the little between each zone, the evolution of like the fights you're doing with each of those sort of characters right. and the lore tidbits that you get, mm. that has felt really cohesive. Um, no disagreements I, there. I liked that a lot. I thought that they've really backed up sort of some of their narrative storytelling in what is otherwise a grindy combat kind of piece of content, you know? No, I didn't like was uh, having mentioned, I I know I skipped at least one cutscene. Uh, the the content like comes up very quickly, and if you want to be involved in it to finish the actual content, every now and I'm not saying like the cutscenes come up quickly. I'm talking about like the fates themselves. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be involved in a fight, you might be in the yeah. middle of a cutscene, and it's like, oh, it's Castrum. Did you want to go to Castrum and have like you know a twenty percent chance that it will actually continue? Yeah, you gotta cut get out of that cutscene. Sorry if you were interested in the lore. Well, Castrum yeah, is the last thing for the cutscenes. You can't, you can't just, be in the middle of the cutscene and have Castrum that's, come up. That's just an example. Like, uh, mm. bad, bad example, apparently. Uh, just any fate, any critical engagement thing. Yeah. I get that, but I really enjoy that it is so frenetic and chaotic that it really does feel like a mm. battlefield. Like I mean, you, yes. you get in there and there's so much stuff happening and you're constantly like being torn between, oh, do I go for this objective or that one? It just like, it, it kind of like adds to that that atmosphere for me. And it's sure. like, I can't I help but disagree. think that this is what they wanted like Northern Thanalan to feel like, mm. you know? Yes. Okay. As a sur- me, as a survivor of Pagos, mm. as a survivor of Pagos, I'm not even gonna like question it. Like this is better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it is. Yeah. No, no, I don't disagree on that count. I just found multiple times I'd be like, "Oh, what's happening in this cutscene? Oh, I gotta go." Or you know, bad yeah, bad timing on my part, perhaps. Like who knows? I think it's just you know that kind of content. This is it's unavoidable. Um, and mm-hmm. it's not like you won't ever see that, you know, that skirmish or whatever again. So. Yeah, just wait 10 minutes and it'll be up again. <laughs> For me, I have not gotten into a castrum because, oh, really? I, yeah, I played as much as I could that first weekend. And so mm-hmm. I got to the point, but I was never there during one. And since then, because of real life things, I mm-hmm. can't, I can't get to one. So I'm mm-hmm. like, eh, but you know, I watched all the cutscenes. I'll get one eventually, but yeah. that's yeah. the thing that I don't like about it. I love the critical engagement. I'm like, I just wish I had a little bit more time for Castrum. But they changed mm-hmm. it. I haven't really caught one since then, though. Because at that point, everyone's trying to get uh, rank as much as you can. So I can see you missing Castrum. Because I definitely have done that a couple of times. Because I didn't know you couldn't get into it if you were currently in a critical engagement. So I'm like there trying <laughs> yeah, to fight, yeah. you know, the Red Comet, being a Red Mage, trying to raise people. And, and people are like, just... Wait, what? Why are people leaving? They're not coming. What? It always seems to be the red comet too. Right, twice, yeah. twice in one night. <laughs> that one comes up, and I was like, you know what? I don't feel like having my ass kicked over and over again. And then Castrum would come up, and I'm like, well, that's why I'm here anyway. The thing they that's have fixed it. Yeah, they have. 
is that Castrum is a really, f I mean, going back to uh, Baldessian, right? Mm -hmm. I think we have shown that this kind of content, this sort of like interesting semi-open world dungeon that's almost closer to like a WoW raid at like a mm -hmm. lower difficulty, although like Castrum is definitely less difficult than Baldessian, right? We can assume that we'll probably ramp up more over time in the difficulty mm -hmm. of that encounter. But I think that it's just gone to show that that kind of content is something that the community actually has responded right. really well to and really wants. So people that are going into Boja right now that are like, man, all I really want to do is Castrum, you can't necessarily do that because it is so intrinsically tied to the content and the timers and trying to make sure that you're doing the other stuff and that you have all these other things going on, right? Um, but I think, will we ever see this kind of content integrated into a zone? Like you go into a new map zone and on that map, there is an equivalent of Castrum that you can do. Like that's part of the overall kind of meta story of that zone. I would love something like that. I think that'd be I, super fun. I think it's more likely we'll get critical engagements like this, um, yeah. that that will start to uh, replace fates to some extent, start to become sort of like, you know, smattered in with fates. Um, I would really love that. Um, and I, I think it is really good, like diegetic storytelling to have these, these moments, um, and, and just for the world building for having like other players around, but not necessarily involved to still be able to like witness that, um, and still have that be part of their world rather than sequestered off into some, some instance. Right. Um, I don't think I the think... bridge between here and campaign from 11 is too far. Like, yeah. And campaign, yeah. campaign and, and, in eleven yeah, was really well received. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something that we've you know we've we've kind of floated that idea before. Right after uh, Arsenal came out, was why can't we have this in zones? Especially mm -hmm. you know if we have this Garlemald based expansion with everything that's going on right now, give us conquest. Like mm -hmm. that would fit so well in 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 everything that they that they're doing. So. I feel like uh, Fourteen is past that phase where uh, if you fail a conquest, you would lose NPCs or things that you had access to. And I think 14 is in that realm of stuff where they don't want to do that to players because sure. the more casual sure. players hate it. hate it. Yeah, you know, it's that evolving MMO design where that was okay back in an 11 and an EverQuest and a WoW Classic, but now they're like, yeah, it, it rubs people the wrong way. Um, mm -hmm. But we could still do it without it. I mean, being someone fair. who hasn't been able yeah. to get into Castrum and that's mostly because of the time that I had. I mean, I'm ranked 13 and I haven't been in a cast room. That, that is literally because I can only play for like 30 minutes at a time. But that doesn't bother me, right? It's still there. Like, you're not missing anything because you could still do it. So, like, even as a person who hasn't been able to get in there, I welcome it because that's it great. Be rough. Yeah, it could be, but... <laughs> I mean... That, I've done three or four and I've tried probably twice that many... You get in there and it's like, we have 21. We can't do this. No, you can do it yeah, with 21. Yeah. But by the time you get that out, like seven people leave and you can no longer do it. Yeah. 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 I've had a few of those. Um, it, it is interesting. I mean, just to see how they're evolving, especially. And I think this is the big thing, right? From Boja, the idea of like immersive environments. Like that's one of the things that has always been, I think, one of the weakest points of Final Fantasy 14. Like yes. are the maps are beautiful. The zones are beautiful, but how do we make them feel alive? How do we continue our storytelling in them? How do we keep players engaged? How do we, you know, do these different things? And we've seen them kind of play around with it. I've always loved the like special, um, you know, like 
fates slash monster fates, things like Odin and Ixion. And I think they're really exciting when they pop. Um, I mean, things like critical engagements, I think, have a very similar kind of feel, like if you can get people in and do the stuff and there's like an interesting thing there and more ways to build the lore and stuff like these cool kind of bonus dungeons where it gives you this other way to sort of engage with the narrative and to build your understanding of what's happening or these like collectible lore booklets or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is, right? Because right now we have a lot of scattered content in open world, but I think we can unite it in a way that supports telling and communicating story and building lore for zones. Sightseeing log is super cool. But again, like, you know, it, it's this little other thing you have to kind of do. And it's not like the whole zone is cohesively tied together quite as well as I think like Boja has shown that they've been able to do. So it actually made me really hopeful for future zones, yeah. weirdly enough. And like the way we might see that war narrative supported while doing what you do during war, fighting, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think that's weird. I think that's, mm -hmm. that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Was there anything else that we wanted to touch on uh, with with Boja before we wrap this up? I Did think we... we covered. I mean, yeah. I mean, not entirely, right? Well, no. I mean, we could literally spend yeah. all day going through the yeah. dossiers of every yeah. single one of those characters. Yeah, oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah, we're not going to do don't... that. <laughs> maybe on uh, part two when we get the next part. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, or maybe, maybe the third part. I'm down yeah. to have like a, a whole kind of Bozia episode at some point just because of how much mm. lore they've shoved into mm. it. But I'd really want to be like on the other side of part three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 When yeah. It's done for sure. <laughs> yeah. Recap episode. Yeah. <laughs> I've been surprised oh. by how much they put into this, honestly. Yeah. Like, there's a, so much. <laughs> it's great content. I mean, for, for me, I, you know, somebody that is it like like a, like a mid-core i guess right uh player um you know i i did get into like a couple arsenal groups back in the day right but i never cleared it and it was always a little like anxiety inducing just to even think about joining one and so to have castrum now where you just queue in and do it and whatever like i hell i actually tanked some of castrum yesterday like that i no, who that's are not, you, know, you? I, right right well, i went in as gunbreaker and some other people died so i kind of had to but anyway it was yeah, it's it's nice. It's just, just kind of like a more casual version of Baldessian Arsenal. And I think the fact that we're going to be getting another normal mode one and then a savage mode on top of it, that, mm. that's awesome. That's, you mm. know, catering to, to both, uh, you know, groups of players, the people that want that crazy, you know, hard Baldessian Arsenal. It's going to give you a message when you log in. It says, hey, this is going to be really difficult content. Are you sure you want to do it? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I think it's great. Um, definitely looking forward to more. Uh, and so I think after what three and a half hours here, I think we're done. Yeah. <laughs> Whew. Oh, Big show. Big show. You guys hungry? Oh, I'm <laughs> starving. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, if you want, uh, you can email us aetheritradio at gamerscape.com. You can tweet at us at aetheritradio. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Discord at gamerscape. Uh, discord.gg slash gamerscape. We also have an Aetherite radio channel there where you can chat about the show. Uh, is my cr the credits not working again? Come on, credits, really? All right. Um, it's pain. I, my, we had my a whole bunch of follows today. Thank lately. you so much, everybody. I, yeah, so in, in the middle of the show, and again, uh, I know we've got a lot of people tuning in. We did get a raid um, right in the middle of the show. Well, not super middle, kind of earlier on. Um, towards the middle, yeah. Or towards mm -hmm. the beginning. 
Was it though? It was a three and a half hour show. I don't remember anything. <laughs> what um, is time? Yeah, huge, 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 huge uh, raid um, from I think it was Jesse Cox. So big shout out to, to to them and to everybody that came in. I know we've got a lot of people sticking around from that. Um, if you are new to the show, we do um, go live pretty much every Saturday at noon Pacific. Um, obviously, there are some weeks where either uh, IRL comes up or we just you know there's nothing to talk about. But most Saturdays we are here at this time. Um, if you have not visited uh, our site before, make sure to check that out, Gamerscape.com. We have that Final Fantasy XIV uh, wiki um, that you can check out. It'll probably come up on a lot of Google searches for, for anything if you're looking for stuff. Um, and yeah, that is going to do it for us for this week. Huge thank you to uh, Anonymous and to Ethis for joining us. We do appreciate having you guys when we do these episodes because uh, you, you guys, you know your stuff. Thanks for having us here, man. Time. We sit here with and starry we, eyes and, and we tell got, us all the things we missed. <laughs> yeah, tell us all the things we missed. Tell, tell me, like, tell me why I'm dumb. And explain why yeah. I don't know yeah. what I think I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that's gonna do it for us for this week. Again, thanks to everybody that uh, that showed up here, and uh, we'll see you next time.